is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show live in the Maverick Center studios, the crib. Presented by The Advocates, theadvocates.com. When you need an injury attorney, if you've been in a wreck, there's only one choice, friends. It's theadvocates.com, where you never pay a retainer, you never pay a consultation fee. In fact, you don't pay the advocates until they win your case at theadvocates.com. Good uh, Tuesday morning to you. Uh, we have the very latest on Buffalo Bills uh, safety Damar Hamlin's injuries, and from the details that have come out now, a terrifying experience. Did the NFL get it right last night with Damar Hamlin? Did Skip Bayless get it right last night with Damar Hamlin? We'll talk about that. Donovan Mitchell dropped 71 on the Chicago Bulls, and immediately uh, one person in my life began tweeting and texting me about whether or not the Jazz got enough for Donovan Mitchell. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Rose Bowl. We'll talk about the Utah Utes right here on the Monty Show. But obviously, I think the story that uh, everyone is talking about this morning without question, Jake, is this situation with DeMar Hamlin. Uh, it was shocking last night if you missed it. Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo uh, Bills safety, had a collision on the field last night um, that very clearly was a violent impact to his chest. And we now know that Damar Hamlin essentially died on the field in Cincinnati. He was revived. They took 16 minutes reviving and getting Damar Hamlin to a point where they could transport him to a hospital, and if you missed it, Damar Hamlin made a tackle. Uh, and, and again, I just don't think that this is an issue with the receiver. I saw all kinds of hate for uh, the Cincinnati Bengal player that ran into uh, Damar Hamlin. That's football, in my opinion. And what happened was Damar Hamlin went to make a tackle he and the receiver collided. The receiver's shoulder drove into DeMar Hamlin's chest, uh, causing significant trauma to the chest, which stopped DeMar Hamlin's heart, uh, which is why you saw Hamlin get up and then immediately collapse backward. You could see that people knew there was an issue on the field immediately. Personnel ran onto the field, and they immediately knew that he was not breathing. And what happened next is a mystery because the Buffalo Bills surrounded Hamlin and so cameras could not see. But from what the Bills and others have described, there was a furious effort to get his clothing off of him so they could revive him, which they did. They initially got DeMar Hamlin's heart started, loaded him onto a stretcher. They put him into the ambulance and then took him back out so that they could work on him some more. They got him stabilized, put him in the ambulance, drove him out of the back of the stadium and waited for his family who was at the game. 
So his parents and his family were on hand and watched all of this unfold. His family loaded into the ambulance. They took him to the hospital where they stabilized him further. His vitals at one point were normal. They sedated him and put a breathing tube in. And that is where we are at this morning. There has been no further update uh, on Damar Hamlin. And immediately though, Jake, I thought it was interesting that you had a, a pretty significant reaction to these events. What was your immediate feeling when you saw this go down? Yeah, I mean, the immediate thing is, you know, so like the immediate thing is, you know, hey, it's sad for for DeMar and his family. Like it's a it's a it is a freak type accident. It is something that you almost never see in in sports. Um, and and I didn't when I saw it, um, I didn't initially think, oh, he's got some head injury that it didn't feel anything like a concussion to me. Um, I, I just felt like it was like, oh man, like this guy just literally fell over and it doesn't look good. And it's really concerning. It's really scary. But after that, after the sort of initial shock that this guy, you know, pretty much came very close to dying on a football field last night. Like after that, my initial reaction was, why is this always happening on football fields? That was my initial reaction. Like, why is it that I drive home last night? I am really excited as for all the, for all of you who listened to the show yesterday, you know, I was really pumped on this Bengals bills matchup. And I think a lot of people were, so I drive home excited to turn this football game on. And what do I get? I get all of the players on the field, all the people on the field surrounding DeMar. I get an ambulance on the football field and I get a really traumatic situation. And I feel like, I don't see this nearly as much in other sports. And and I know that the NFL isn't necessarily, at, it's not like the NFL woke up yesterday and said, yeah, you know, we're going to have one of our guys fall over tonight and, and almost die. That's what, like, obviously the NFL doesn't want that. But it just seems like this season has been one of those seasons where I had to watch Tua have a seizure on the football field repeatedly. Like, I had to watch... You know, we have to watch this type of thing in this sport. And it, and, it, and I'm a little burned out on it. I have to be honest. Like, I don't have to typically, most of the time, like 99% of the time, I don't have to worry when I turn an NBA game on about, some, about this type of event happening because you don't see that level of violence in the NBA. It has happened in the NHL, right? It, it has. It, and it ha has happened in the NBA, just not nearly as much. And so my initial reaction was, Man, like I'm a little burned out on on people suffering like life altering, damn near life ending injuries on football fields. That was my initial reaction. Yeah, I think the the thing that stands out to me were how many people said, "Boy, this is this is why I don't love football the way I used to." And I think that's a really salient point when you're watching a guy like Demar Hamlin. I mean, dying on the field on national TV. And, and it's something that we don't think about. And one of the things that we've talked about a lot, you know, in many different sports and in many different situations is that we treat these guys like they're robots or machines. And, hey, you know, we talked about this specifically with Donovan Mitchell. Go play basketball and then we're going to hang you up on the shelf. And when the next jazz game happens, we'll, we'll plug you back in, turn you on, and you can go play basketball. Right, That's how we treat these guys. We don't treat these guys as human beings. And 
the the thing for me, and I obviously I have a different perspective. I've worked around professional athletes for over 30 years. You realize quickly that they are not machines. They're human beings. And the idea that we all watched as as DeMar Hamlin was dying on the field in Cincinnati. I just have a lot of 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 emotions around his family in the stands, having no idea what was going on. Um, I have a lot of emotions around, you know, riding in an ambulance. My wife broke her arm a month and a half ago and riding in the ambulance. I, I was, it, it was really hard and she was not dying. She had yeah. a broken arm and you're sitting there trying not to cry as you watch your loved one in pain from a broken arm. What must it be like when, when your, your, your husband or your son or your brother is fighting for his life? Yeah. And we're more concerned about finishing the game. Yeah, and that's that's what you know, really was upsetting. I, I I think you know everything was fine until you know you start to hear you know Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talk about the fact that the players have five minutes to warm up. Like I think people were upset about that, and I was upset about that. I felt like it was insensitive. I felt like it lacked um, you know just any sort of tone. It, yeah. it lacked like hey. You have no idea what these guys are going through, and it's a it's a just a an unacceptable thing. Like it's it's not right that you would ask these guys to continue to play last night when they're brother, because that's what it is. Like you need to understand yeah. that that like everyone uses the word teammate, and yes, he's a teammate, but I I don't think people understand that this guy right is not known to your average NFL fan. With all due respect to DeMar, he, I don't believe that DeMar Hamlin is a household name to just your average Joe NFL fan. But he should be. And the reason he should be is because of everything he does in the community. The caliber of human being the guy is. Like, the caliber of brother the guy is. And so, yes, he's a teammate, but it's so much more than that to specifically the Bills players. And that's why I say... It's just incredible to me that the first reaction that we get out of the NFL is, yeah, let's let's give these guys five minutes, five minutes to warm up, and then and then that's how we're gonna go. And my eye is dying right now. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I don't know what is going. Well, on. you know the thing that I I would say uh, about this situation. I hope your eyes okay. The thing I would say about this situation is that you know, and if you didn't see it again, what happened with with you know, DeMar Hamlin was, he suffered cardiac arrest from uh, taking a significant hit to the chest. And a lot of people thought it was a concussion. I, I, I think what this was very similar to um, was, if you remember Hank Gathers at Loyola Marymount, um, you know, that's the basketball reference that I would point to, um, that, you know, Hank stumbled and I mean, he, he, he passed away on the court, right? That's what I was thinking about watching that situation. And maybe because of my generation, that's what I was, you know, that's what I was thinking is, Hey, you know what? That that's, I knew, I, I knew right away what it was. It mm. was when you have a concussion and you don't get up right away and start walking, you know, like you, that's not generally how concussions work on a big hit. Um, it is, you usually lay on the ground, your hands are on your helmet. Think back to Tua, you know, Tua hits his head on the turf and his hands immediately go to his head and he lays there for a minute. Yeah. They help him get up. Then he falls back down. You look at this situation with Damar Hamlin, 
DeMar got up and immediately fell backward. He was standing for, I think they said, three seconds. You knew this was not a concussion. And what a lot of what a lot of heart experts are saying is that the compression to his chest, the force of the shoulder into his chest stopped his heart. Yeah. And it, it is a freak accident. It, it the the heartbeat has to be in a particular, you know, pro, there's a process that your heart goes through to beat. Your heart has to be in a certain part of that process when you get hit like that in order to stop your heart. And that's exactly what happened here to DeMar Hamlin. Yeah. And he, they are, man, I, the reaction of those players, the reaction of the medical people, the, the independent medical professionals that were on the scene, it, it was amazing how quickly those doctors and emergency medical technicians were on the field with him. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen it happen that fast. And I think it's because of the way the players on the field reacted. But the thing that concerns you here is his long-term viability as a human being. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that concerns you is, you know, like, is he going to have a life? I, I really don't care if he ever plays in the NFL again. I don't care. This guy has a life. This yeah. guy is. And now that we know all the stories about the charity work he's done and just how salt of the earth he is, like, he's a really good dude. He's a good human being. And you just hope that he does not have long-term quality of life issues. Because it sounds like now, and if you're just tuning into the show, it sounds like DeMar Hamlin is stabilized. It sounds like DeMar Hamlin has been sedated um, so that they can work on him and he can rest and recover. It sounds like he is out of harm's way of death. The question is, how will he form and how will he recover long-term? That's what I'm concerned about. Yeah. I don't care if they ever play this game or if he ever plays football again. Mm -hmm. I just want this guy to wake up and have a normal life. Because I thought Ryan Clark, and one of the things about Ryan Clark, if you did not see Ryan last night on, on SportsCenter, and I think it's absolutely worth saying that everybody from Susie Colbert, Adam Schefter, Booger McFarlane, Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, Lisa Salter, Scott Van Pelt, Ryan Clark, everybody at ESPN handled this perfectly. Thanks. Handled this. You can't prepare for this. Yeah. Having worked at ESPN, having worked at that level, having been involved in breaking news in the NFL and in the NBA and all kinds of sport, you can't prepare for this. There's no script or playbook. When somebody is in this much peril on the field, they handled it perfectly. And I got to know Ryan Clark pretty good when I was at ESPN. He is a, a guy that is passionate and emotional. And him telling his story, and if you don't know the story, Ryan Clark was a safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they traveled to Denver. And he unknowingly played with the sickle cell trait. And almost died after the game. He lost his spleen and his gallbladder. And I think he was in the hospital for five weeks yeah. after that. So he almost died. In fact, doctors told Ryan Clark. So Ryan plays the game, and I think it was 2005, Ryan plays this game in Denver for Pittsburgh. And he is on the bus after the game. And he's just in incredible pain in his side. And... They're loading onto the plane. 
And Mike Tomlin said to him, you're not going on the plane. We're going to the hospital. And they took him to the hospital. And at the end of the day, they told him, if you'd have gotten on that plane and, and gone home, you probably would have died on the flight. Yeah. Think about that. That's what these guys deal with. And when you look at the, the injuries that we've seen, think back to, you know, a guy like Alex Smith with the spiral leg fracture. And you ask yourself, is he ever going to have normal use of that leg again? You think about a, a guy like a Gordon Hayward, who essentially has never been the same player after his gruesome injury. You think about all these things. None of them compare even. The graphic nature of those injuries, none of them compare to what we saw with Darvin Ham uh, with with Hamlin last night. Yeah. It 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 just doesn't it it, it Demar Hamlin none of it compares to that. Yeah, I mean I, I, it just gets to another level when you're talking about someone dying. Like with all due respect to Alex Smith, he was never in danger of dying, right? Like yeah, that was a gruesome injury. It's one of the gnarliest leg injuries I've ever seen in my life. But you weren't dying. Demar Hamlin was dying last night. Demar Hamlin his heart was stopped last night. So so that's why I say, like, I I I think there are a million conversations that we could have around this this topic this morning. Like, hey, did the NFL handle it properly? Hey, like, you know, who said what about it? Like, hey, when when should this or that go down? Or how you know, like there are so many different angles on this on this event last night, this incident last night. And I think, you know, we have to be really respectful and really intentional about this should this should be about Demar and his family until until there's resolution for Demar's health, like until we get hey he is going to fully recover, hey he's stable, he's no longer critical, like he's on the right track, like we're in a good place. Okay, once that's taken care of, then okay NFL, if you want to work on the schedule, great. But I just don't think it should there should be any kind of conversation about it until that's resolved and if it takes a week it takes a week right but it's it, football is not more important than a dude's life and and that's why i'm very curious depending on how long it takes to 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 get resolution on on demar's health and, and where this is headed like if it takes two weeks to figure out whether he's gonna live or not right if it takes that long to figure it out what is the nfl's response because the NFL is a money-making machine. Let's be very clear. This isn't about the football field for the NFL. This is about how much it's going to cost them, in my opinion. And that's why you saw the response last night of, hey, you've got five minutes to warm up. And you see Joe Burrow throwing a football while he's crying. Like, that imagery isn't going to leave people. You don't just, people don't just forget watching that happen, you know? So that's why I say, like, I don't know how the NFL is going to respond to this. I don't know how, like, what their approach is going to be. I think it's fair to say this is pretty much unprecedented. But even though it's unprecedented, I think it's very clear what you should do. There should not be another football game until this 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 guy's fate is decided. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, obviously we're going to know here very shortly, but it, this whole thing was terrifying. You know, like, it, it is just... We forget about, we lose ourselves in these things like this. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know how many people saw the Skip Bayless tweet last night. Mm -hmm. um, and if you didn't see it, I, I, you know, I, I'm happy to play it, uh, to post it for you. I, 
I am amazed that we are still dealing with this kind of stuff. It's really bothersome. This is Skip Bayless's tweet. So DeMar Hamlin's on the field dying. Yeah, literally. And this is what Skip Bayless chose to tweet. No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game. But how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. Are you serious with this? Like This is supposedly the leading opinion maker at Fox Sports. Right. Tweeting about how it's amazing that the outcome of the season is irrelevant. And that there's, you know, how can they postpone this game? A game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome. Like, what are, are you serious, bro? There's a guy dying right now. And you're worried about the outcome of a football game? I wonder often if Fox pays Skip Bayless to say stuff like this. Because nobody, (laughs) and I'm serious with this. I'm not even being tongue-in-cheek or hot take guy or any of that. I'm being dead serious right now. Nobody in their right mind in our line of work, in the sports talk line of work, like he does an opinion show, like whatever, like nobody in entertainment or sports talk says that when that's taking place on a football field. You don't say that when dude's dying on the football field. You just don't. Nobody, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're like one of the worst people in the world. You know that that's probably not what you should be saying. And so it really does make me wonder, is Fox Sports paying him to say outlandish things to get attention? Because I think on some level, sure, like LeBron takes or Dak takes or whatever, like that's different. That's different. You can be an ass about yourself with sports. This is life. And the idea that he's still employed at Fox definitely to me sends the message that they're okay with it. And and honestly, that they're Paying him to do it, because what else is there? How do you if if you're not okay with it, how is he still employed? Like at a very baseline level, you're paying Skip Bayless, as he said, to be the lead opinion maker on Fox. So you must be okay with this, and that's my biggest problem, and that's why I don't watch Fox outside of football games. And I got to tell you, again, I tweeted last night. I'm really struggling to watch football, bro. Like. If we didn't do this show, if I didn't need to care, if I didn't need to be informed, probably wouldn't be watching much football right now. Like, I'd probably need a break. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's, um, it's, it's crazy. I, I can't believe that Fox does not fire him for this. Like, I, I, and this yeah. is the hard part. And I wonder what you guys think of this. And, and at 623 this morning as we uh, are talking about the very latest with Buffalo Bill, uh, DeMar Hamlin's situation, if you're just tuning in, um, DeMar Hamlin is in stable but critical condition in uh, Cincinnati Hospital. Um, after his heart stopped on the field last night, they were able to revive him. It took 16 minutes to get him to a point where they could load him into an ambulance and transport him. Uh, they were able to stabilize him. They, the ambulance actually waited several minutes to get his family out of the stands in Cincinnati. Uh, so that they could ride to the hospital with him. 
When he got to the hospital, they sedated him. Um, and that's the update that we have this morning. But we're talking about like the way that this was handled. And before your comments on Skip Bayless, where do you guys come down on this? Hey, you have five minutes to get ready to replay this game. Yeah. So the ambulance drives off the field. The Bills go to their side. The Bengals go to their side. And it's announced that the players will have five minutes to gather themselves and resume the game. And I, I, it, it shocked me. I, I, it was one of those, I, are you serious? Yeah. Like, you can't play this game. They all know what happened. I, I, I thought it was a horrible lack of execution by the NFL. They should have immediately stopped this game and postponed it. Make a decision on, on the future of this game in the future. Yeah. I thought it was really a bad look for the NFL that Sean McDermott and, and Zach Taylor had to cancel this game. Yeah. That's, that was incredibly disappointing. You watched them on the field because eventually what happened is Zach Taylor talked to his captains, walked across the field to Sean McDermott and the official, and you could see them saying, hey, we're going to go inside. Like You could see Sean McDermott saying, okay, yeah, let's go inside. And so they go under and they go into their locker rooms and you see them underneath talking. Like they were, they were telling the NFL, we're not playing this game. Like it was yeah. amazing that the NFL didn't immediately because they knew the situation. And for those of you who don't know, there are, there are a staff of NFL people at every NFL game who make sure that the game is run correctly. And especially on primetime games, there is an executive at every game. Right. So they knew what was going on. They knew the situation with DeMar Hamlin. They knew the situation. That they didn't immediately postpone this game was was earth-shattering to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, Troy Vincent, you know, one of the executives, former player, one of the executives at the NFL, said there was no consideration given to continue the game last night. Well, I... Do you buy that? No. I, I, I think, how can you say that when they said, hey, you have five minutes to warm up? Like... You can't say that. That that logically and factually doesn't add up. Now, I do understand, and it needs to be said, that there are processes for every single situation, whether it's how uh, a ball is inflated or how do we properly handle a response to last night's uh, incident, right? Like, there's a process for everything in the NFL, and and I do believe the people saying, hey, you can't announce that the game is suspended right away because they need to get him out of there. They need to get him to the hospital. You can't have all these people leaving and block. Okay, great. I get all that. Totally get all that. That publicly you can't announce it. But privately, behind the scenes, you know, in the locker rooms, like that flow of information needs to happen, and they should have suspended the game pretty much yeah. immediately, in my opinion. So that's why I say, like, I'm not going to sit here and and be outlandish in my reaction to to how the NFL responded to this, but I am going to say that the five minutes to warm up thing was definitely yeah. a bad look. And I think last night was one of those situations where the absolute asinine asshats at Fox came out to play. And I think people should lose their jobs after what they tweeted last night.
Yeah, I agree. And, and there's a lot of people uh, who want to see that tweet again. Um, here it is. This is Skip Bayless. Um, moments after this all went down, he said, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game. But how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. You can't, and the issue I have with this is you cannot, I mean, I could not have cared less about the outcome of the season yeah. with a guy dying on the field. You're in the reaction, it like, I see a couple of people saying he, he that you know he said it was irrelevant. Right. Right? Like Strange Cloud says Skip literally said the game is irrelevant. What are you talking about? That's not what he said. That's not what he said. What he said was and and Strange Cloud says you completely miss what Skip meant. No, I didn't. Because Skip actually explained it further and if you look at the visceral reaction that Twitter had Everybody crushed this guy. But all due respect. I didn't miss anything. You can't tweet. The guy is dying. And you're worried about a late season game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome. And by the way, if you're any kind of professional in the industry, you know damn well that there's no room for gray area in a tweet last night. You know damn well that you shouldn't be writing something like this. What you should have said is wow you know this is a this is a crazy situation you know football has football just is not the priority right now we don't like like we don't need to even be talking about scheduling or this game like yeah. prayers to demar's family like la like again i want to be really clear like like last night it's not hard to not make an ass of yourself last night it's easy to tweet the right thing last night like i, I want to be really clear on this it's not hard for Skip Bayless to tweet thoughts and prayers, which I'm a little burnt out on, by the way. I'm a little tired of thoughts and prayers generally in our world because thoughts and prayers aren't saving DeMar's life last night. No. Right? That's not, like, they're just not. Like, with all due respect, like, I appreciate the sentiment, but thoughts and prayers aren't saving dude's life. Like, I even had concern, to be honest with you, when they said, hey, he's in the bus, but they had to wait for his family. I understand why they had to wait for his family, but if it was me, his ass would have been to the hospital no, but as soon as see, possible. I'm dude. the exact opposite. I was actually relieved because the, the Cincinnati reporters did a great job on this. There was a photo on Twitter of the ambulance sitting there. And what that said to me is, okay, they've got him stabilized. That you are not foot to the floor screaming out of that parking lot to get to the, to the best trauma center in the area means that he's stable enough where you can wait for his family, which yeah. I thought was, yeah. was huge. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. I, I just, I skip Bayless has said a lot of really stupid but, things but in I, his I, life I, on the skip thing. I don't want to just skip over. Like, I don't want our conversation here to just be about skips tweet. It's a bigger conversation. Like we need to have a conversation about Fox and Fox support of skip Bayless. Like, like they are by not firing him once again, right on the spot. You're supporting what he's saying, and you want him to say those things. And I have an issue with that, which, yeah. once again, brings me right back to my original point last night of I'm burned out on football. Like, we haven't even gotten to Utah and Cam and everything that happened in the Rose Bowl yesterday, right? Like, I'm just saying, like, it, it's it's just tough, man, when 
I got it. The imagery of Tua's hand seizing in front of his oh, face, man. that bothered me for probably 10 days. I, I was like, dude, like, this guy is melting his brain inside of that football helmet. So, yeah, but you're it. you're that guy, and you 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 have said this routinely. If you're new to the show, you are not. Uh, football is not close to your number one, and violence in football really turns you off. And I have to tell you this to a situation, um, and we're going to talk about it coming up on football at fifty. But the Tua situation is the perfect example here. Yeah, it it, it is to me. Another example, and, and I think DeMar Hamlin last night's another example. You don't put the player first. You put the revenue first. And that drives me crazy. Because yeah. at some point, we when are we going to stop the five minutes to get ready after, hey, I know your teammate almost died, but you got five minutes. We got to get this game going, folks. We got advertisers and commercials. Let's go. Like, at what point does that stop? Yeah. At what point do we not care about the commercials at what point do we not care about well logistically who cares yeah who cares that's what bothers me about it there's a lot of 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 in, in my opinion it makes a lot of sense these guys sign up for this they know what they're doing they know how dangerous it is i have talked to nfl players i have talked to college football players they understand that every snap of the football and a lot of it is position dependent, but a lot of times every snap of the football is life and death. Thanks. Like when you look at the collisions on the field, like you look at the collision at the end of the, at the end of the USC Tulane game, that's life and death right there, man. Yeah. You look at what happened here. The collision was so forceful. From shoulder to chest, it stopped his heart. Well, and I almost feel like the way the play went down. It should give us very clear perspective on just how violent your average Joe hit in the NFL is. Because, again, this isn't like, hey, safety coming down from the catbird seat to pop some receiver on the boundary, right? That's not what this was, right? This no. was a middle of the field, you know, me versus you hit. And he ran through DeMar. DeMar somehow taking that punishment makes the play, but then collapses. And that's why I'm saying, like, I'm not turned off on football right now because of your average Joe hit or because of the inherent, like, well, physical it, nature But it of just it. looks so innocuous. Yeah. It just looked... The play wasn't even your typical car accident in the A-gap. You weren't like, oh, dude is done. Like, that this wasn't what was, it was. This was just a safety... Covering over the top, making a tackle on a wide receiver. That's all it was until it wasn't. And then when you see the replay slowed down and you see that shoulder drive into the chest and you see him collapse, it, yeah, it just, uh, I don't know, man. This was really tough for me to watch. And it is, it is, it, 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 uh, it's just, it's frustrating to me. But one other thing, and then I promise you we're going to get to your comments because you guys have been unbelievable on this. Last night is what Twitter is supposed to be. 90% of Twitter last night was exactly what Twitter was supposed to be. Yeah. You had your Skip Baylesses. You had a couple of other guys that said some things that were just reprehensible. There was a guy, and I'm not even going to say his name because he doesn't deserve the pub, but it's a guy talking about how 
if this game doesn't finish, he loses his parlay. <laughs> um, a, me a member of the media last night tweeting that. Unbelievable. But the exchange, the emotion, the sending... DeMar Hamlin has a toy drive charity that was trying to raise, I think it was $2,500. Yeah. It's well over $1.1 now. And it raised a million dollars in an hour because people kept retweeting it. The, the emotions, the, the, the sympathy, the thoughts and prayers, the reality, that's what Twitter's supposed to be. Yeah. Twitter's supposed to be a community where we can share our feelings with each other and bond over this kind of incident or Cam's leg injury or Utah losing again or USC losing to Tulane or any of this, uh, you know, the snowpack in Utah, you know, the top four, you know, snow totals are all in Utah ski resorts and people were celebrating and that's what Twitter's supposed to be about. Yeah. It's not supposed to be about banning people or canceling people or politics and your mom. It's supposed to be about community. Yeah. And largely last night, that's exactly what it was about. And I thought it was awesome. So let's get your thoughts in here. Please make sure you give us a thumbs up. It really helps the channel grow. If all 125 of you watching the show right now, give us a thumbs up. It makes a huge difference on the channel. Um, you know, we've had close to 500 views this morning. We've got 13 likes, so let's pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Right. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, and without further ado, Sean Mirzinski, the first one in, he uh, gives the praying hands Yeah. for uh, Damar Hamlet. And, and I agree with you largely. I understand, hey, thoughts and prayers. I get it. I'm just over thoughts and prayers. Yeah. We... we at some point, and I understand it's all largely any of us have to offer. True. Totally understand that. Yep. But at some point, especially in, in world events, we have to stop with thoughts and prayers, and we have to take action. Last night's a little different, but just think about that. Right? Just think about that. Maury says, prayers for uh, Damar. Little Chizzy says, Utah's passing game looked as bad as BYU's defense. We'll get there today. We'll get there for sure today. Uh, hope Damar pulls through. Scary, uh, super scary, Richard McDonald says. Yeah, it was actually terrifying. Yeah. Watching that last night, I don't know how you don't get emotional thinking about the human being. And I always go there. I always go there. Like, I always think to myself, I remember when Gordon Hayward hurt his, his leg in Boston. I was thinking about his wife, mainly because I follow her on Instagram. And I was like, man, what is Robin going through right now? Like, those are the things that I always think about when I see these guys get injured. And we don't think about them. As soon as the game's over, we don't think about those guys going home. But that's where my mind always goes. And it was, I was, it was terrifying. Well, I, my mind was just like, dude, life is fragile, man. Like, like we take so much for granted in the day to day. Like, you know, again, there's, I don't remember who said it, but there's, you know, the old saying, you walk out your front door and it's not guaranteed you're going to come back, you know, like, and when I see something like this happen to somebody, it's just like, dude, like this guy, this guy was making a play. This guy was doing his job, playing the game that he loved. Like, like this was just another day for DeMar until it wasn't. And that's what's scary. Yeah, absolutely right. Happy New Year, Funky Orion. Good to see you. Uh, Richard McDonald said, God, I just don't think it was that tackle that did it. 
just my humble opinion, but we'll never really know. Oh, I, I don't think the the overwhelming number of, of cardiac es- experts who came out on Twitter last night to say, hey, this is what happened. There, there are two guys generally, and I've retweeted a bunch of them if you want to go check my Twitter out, The Monty Show, M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show. There are, there are two guys in particular who talked about the actual mechanics of how that happened. And it's just not, it's, it's science, man. And it is, it is, I would call it a freaky incident. And if, if in fact, because I think that's what we're going to find out. Yeah. Is that the blow to his heart. It's one of two things. If the scientists are right, it was the, the force of the impact hitting him in the chest, stopping his heart. Yeah. Maybe he had a pre-existing condition. But the other thing you have to remember, and the, what, the reason that I'll go with the science in what these cardiologists were saying last night, is that the, the, medical, the medical performance has gotten so much better. Like the physicals. These guys go through amazing, amazing batteries of testing just to sign a contract these guys go through an amazing amount from like in the NFL it's you know things like joints organs like you're getting cat scans MRIs no, nothing's wrong with you you're signing Carlos Correa with the Mets and the in in the the Giants Carlos Correa is signing a 300 million dollar contract right he goes through his physical and they won't sign him to the deal because he failed his physical. <coughs> and most people think it was a back thing that turned up on an MRI. Like that's the level that they are poking and prodding these guys. Yeah. So the idea that you showed up and well, he just had a heart attack. He had a clogged artery. Nobody, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And that's why I think it, it, I really believe I'm a big science guy. I think you follow the science, you follow the medicine and it's going to lead you to the truth. Nine out of 10 times. Yeah. I think the impact on his chest is why his heart, heart stopped. It is, it's long known. It's, it's rare because tackling technique does not often lead to that kind of trauma on your chest. But I look at your guy that passed away um, Ken Block. Ken Block, and I want to make sure I get this story right. I don't know if you guys know who Ken Block is. Ken Block, who is the founder, uh, one of the founders of DC Shoes, which is where I know him from. Um, there's an auto sports brand called Hoonigan. He was a, he represented Monster, which is where I met him originally in Los Angeles at Sporting News Radio. Um, but he was here in Utah snowmobiling yesterday and the crazy thing is he was out snowmobiling with a group of guys before they go out on their tour he was tweeting about his next youtube show with his daughter puts his phone away gets on his sled takes off somehow find found a gap away from his group flipped his snowmobile it landed on top of him and it killed him and it's like man yeah. Okay, well, that's just hey, you got Ken, dude. Ken Block, I, like l- my reaction when I found out that he had died was a holy cow, that's incredibly sad because the dude is a legend and an icon. And at fifty-five years old, you're way too young to have died. Um, but 
Also, dude did everything that inner car child would want to do, right? Like, dude was was doing extreme stuff, was was doing everything that that you could ever dream of doing in the automotive world. And I have to say, things happen, dude. Like, think like you have to. And this is why this is my point on Demar or on Ken Block. Like, life is fragile, man. So, like, when we go snowboarding, I have a different perspective on snowboarding now. If I fall hard enough, is my heart going to stop? Like, it makes you wonder. Hey, if I catch my toe edge and slam myself on the ground on my chest, is my heart going to stop? It makes you wonder. I might think twice about how fast I'm going now, right? So, that's why I'm saying, like, you have to, like, you have to have proper perspective. But this guy, Ken Block absolute legend and that's not just here in the states like like he was a legend overseas like it's just is it yesterday was just insane honestly yeah. like just crazy the, and I know, it, for those of you that are local here in in salt lake there was a, a terrible accident at park city mountain resort um there's a lift at park city on the canyon side that takes you from one part of the mountain up to another part of the mountain so that you can ride a, a run called Doc's Run is the way that we know it. Yeah. You take this lift across and then you go down Doc's Run and you get down to the village. Well, this run, this lift essentially goes straight and then goes straight up a mountainside. And apparently yesterday there was a an employee at Park City Mountain Resort riding that lift up to the other side and a tree fell on the lift line on the cable that runs the lift. And that person fell a minimum of 25 feet and died as a result of that. Yeah. Then the Ken Block news comes out. Then the DeMar Hamlin things happen. And it's just like yesterday was bananas, dude. Yeah. It yeah. was absolutely bananas. Um, and it's, it's why I say, like, it's interesting when you're sitting here talking about, hey, is, I, I'm looking at snowboarding differently. I've been there since my wife broke her arm. Like I, the crazy thing about my wife's accident was I was behind her cause she doesn't, she is not at the level of snowboarding that Jake and I are at. We, Jake and I have ridden 10 times as much as Mrs. Monty has. So she's slower than we are, frankly. So usually one of us will ride in front of her and the other one will ride behind her. I was behind her going slower cause it was dark. So, and I couldn't see really well. And just just watching her fall and then hearing like just got, that changed me as a as, as somebody that rides a snowboard like well, that. And I think it's interesting. And, and again, this word perspective, and I think it's a powerful word based on yesterday's course of events. Everything he just explained, the the Park City thing, Demar, Ken Block. Like for me, the Mrs. Monty accident, the way that impacted me was, damn, like I better get my ass in the gym because that's like a broken arm, like. That's going to happen. Like, again, and this is why I say broken limbs are going to happen. Like, that's life. Like, if you're going to snowboard, if you're going to, you know, windsurf, if you're going to do these crazy things, like, things are going to happen. That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. That said, when I watch a, a guy almost die on a football field from an impact to the chest, I can firsthand tell you, and it doesn't happen very much because we're pretty good at riding now, but I've had moments where you fall 
and you feel that through your core, through your chest, like through your body. You don't it's fall, like, you crash. Yeah, dude. The, the funny thing about it, and I don't mean to belabor this at all because you probably don't care, but the funny thing about snowboarding is, and if you ski, you probably have had this feeling too. You fall a lot when you first learn to snowboard. Then you go through this period where you don't fall as much. Then you go through another period where you never are on the ground. You're never on the ground. You're either sitting on a chairlift or you're on your feet. So what that does is it makes you a better snowboarder. So what happens? You start going faster. Yeah. And you start going down blues and diamonds. The reason I don't ride diamond anymore is because I had a crash on a diamond in Tahoe a couple of years ago. And it scared me, so I don't ride diamond anymore. Right. But you start going faster, so you don't fall anymore. You crash. And so when Which you're going very different, when you fall, when you, you fall, you fall on your butt, you get up, you're like, okay, I'm fine. When you crash, you have no control of it. It happens very suddenly and you body slam yourself and you break your arm or you whatever. That's the funny thing about snowboarding and why it's in my head so much. But everybody, I mean, all these things, all these things impact people differently. That's for sure. I mean, it, it's just, it's. It's crazy. Greg Hawkins, good morning to you. Uh, hi, everyone. I want to sleep for a thousand years, Greg Hawkins says. <laughs> oh, there you go. Mike Maples says, have pads become smaller and less protective over the years at the cost of safety? They just seem smaller these days. Well, actually, it's just the opposite. Yes, they are more streamlined, but the technology in shoulder pads, the technology in hockey pads, the technology has just gotten so much better that you don't need big bulky pads. Yeah. The like in snowboarding helmets, these what do they call it? MIPS. MIPS. It's essentially honeycomb padding that distributes force off of your brain. The technology and protective devices has gotten better. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Chris P says any regular person would have died from that hit. In fact, most uh, hits in the NFL would kill an average person. Think about that. Yeah, they would. And the 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 funny thing is, you watch. You watch football yesterday. This time of year, the edge is a little sharper <laughs> because you're playing faster because the games are more important. Yeah. Bowl games. Like that hit at the end of the Tulane USC game. Smoke. You look at this. This the, What was on the line last night in Cincinnati for Cincinnati and Buffalo? It was a huge game. Really important. The entire country was watching. That's why you had them going at, at 100 miles an hour with their hair on fire. So you're going to get hits like that. You're going to get hits like that. I totally agree, uh, Chris. It's, it, I don't think people understand the physicality of it. Richard McDonald says, me too, Greg. Haven't worked in a week. It feels weird. Uh, Richard McDonald or D-Rock Irish says, done. Yeah, please give us a thumbs up on the show. It really helps the channel grow. Uh, nice word at 35 uh, likes now. We always like to get to at least 100. Skinny Dick Nick says, Monty, Twitter shouldn't be about canceling people. No, it shouldn't. But when you tweet stupid things in, at stupid moments, you, you, you. That's what I'm saying. Come on. If you just hit the pause button and think about what that Skip Bayless tweet really is, how do you draw any other conclusion other than Fox is paying him to say stuff like that? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. By the way, Skinny Dick Nick says also, Monty, fire Skip Bayless because of his tweet. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly right. You fucking donkey. Exactly right. Like, what are we doing? Good Lord, I love that, man. I absolutely love that. That, 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 thank My you. My God. 
Thank you. 10 to the hour, every hour on the Monty Show. It's Football at 50, presented by our good friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Use the promo code MONTY25, and I have to tell you, as crazy as yesterday was, the Papa Murphy's Pizza was amazing. Uh, we got the traditional double barbecue sauce. You know what we? I added? I added the zesty herbs that you put on the herbs. Herbs. The herbs. I added the zesty herbs to the pizza. Oh, man, what a difference. By the way, what did I tell you we were going to order again last night? Yeah. We got the meat, the meatballs, the bowls. Yeah. The meatballs at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Dude, get them tonight for dinner. They're bomb. They're man. amazing. You get, I think, nine meatballs in an order. It's so easy, too. Again, order through Ooh. the app. Like, get on your app after the show. Order it. Set it up for 5 o'clock or whatever time. And all you got to do is turn your oven or smoker on, pop them in, and you're good to go. Good to go. Yeah. It was amazing. Uh, Papa Murphy's Pizza. Make sure you use the promo code MONTY25. To get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more. Again, update on uh, Bill safety. Damar Hamlin this morning. Uh, Damar is in stable condition now. Uh, critical but stable condition. They were able to stabilize his vitals last night. Um, they did, you know, a procedure. They intubated him, which means they put a tube in his throat so that he could breathe easier and rest. Um, I don't know when we'll get an update on that, uh, but... We do now know that his heart stopped beating uh, last night on the field. It took 16 minutes that felt like 16 hours to revive him to a point where they could get him in an ambulance and transport him to a hospital, which is where he is now in Cincinnati. But the best that we know is DeMar Hamlin is thankfully alive this morning in critical condition. And the dude essentially died on the field in Cincinnati last night. Yeah. I mean, just a terrifying, terrifying moment. Yeah. We'll keep you updated on that uh, as much as we can. Uh, don't go anywhere in five minutes. We're going to talk Utah Utes football in the Rose Bowl. Uh, as Utah loses the Rose Bowl again in absolutely crushing fashion. Um, really difficult to see it happen for the second straight year. Penn State 35, Utah 21. Cam Rising has a significant, significant leg injury, according to Kyle Whittingham. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like, you know, that is going to require a significant recovery. Here's Kyle Whittingham on Cam Rising. The injury to Cam is a, is a leg injury. Doesn't look good, I can tell you that. Uh, we'll uh, wait for uh, confirmation uh, from the medical people at a later date, either tonight or tomorrow. Um, looks like it could be uh, something that takes a while to recover from. Um, so that's not uh, that's not positive right now. You know, he's such a warrior and such a, a fierce competitor. Uh, he'll be back, I can promise you that, you know, from the injury. Hopefully he's back with us. That's to be determined. But uh, he'll, he'll work his way back. And, and uh, it almost seemed to... Uh, we lost a little bit of our mojo when that happened. We had a little bit of a deflation uh, on our team, and that's not the right way to respond. We needed to respond better than we did, and uh, you know it's unfortunate that we didn't, uh, you know, that we had uh, the drop off that we did. Well, one of the most critical comments there is to be determined about Cam Rising's future at Utah. I, I mean, I mean, I can't believe that he would go to the NFL now. I have to believe Cam Rising's back, but. 
Again, Cam Rising suffers a significant, uh, significant injury uh, to his knee. It looks like that's going to require surgery from what Kyle Winningham said. Uh, again, if those things happen, obviously we'll keep you up to date. Um, but coming up here in four minutes, we're going to talk about the changes that Kyle Whittingham has to make at Utah. And I think they are significant uh, because there were some real clear issues on this football team uh, that led to them losing back-to-back -back Rose Bowls now. And just, it's crushing. That's the issue at Utah. Yeah. This, this just really hurts to watch them go through that. But um, what changes do, do the Utes need to make? We'll talk about that coming up in three and a half minutes. Uh, update from the NFL, the Packers and Lions game, which, by the way, is a win-and-you're-in situation. It will now be the, the last game of the regular season. will be Packers and Lions. It was flexed to Sunday night. Football on NBC. So Aaron Rodgers and the Packers will host the Detroit Lions. Winner gets into the NFL playoffs. Loser goes home. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that turns out. One other NFL story that I think is very noteworthy is this Tua Tungavailoa concussion story. Tua Tungavailoa, in fact, did suffer another concussion that was not properly diagnosed until Monday. Mm. Again, not properly diagnosed. And you know what I've come to the conclusion of? Again, I'm the guy that follows science and medicine. I don't know that you can properly diagnose a concussion unless a player is willing to be honest about what he's feeling. And I don't think the garden variety, 9 out of 10 NFL player is going to tell you, yeah, I think I have a concussion. I probably shouldn't go back in the game. To a tongue of Iloa every single time when they say, hey, are you, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, man. Let's go. Let's roll. Even if he's not, he's going to say, yeah, I'm good. Let's go. You can't trust the player. Yep. And the problem is concussions don't always present with symptoms. So you don't always get dilated pupils. You don't always get loss of motor skill. You don't always get the, you know, the, the seizing hands that you talked yeah. about earlier. You don't always get that. Yeah. And then on Monday morning, it turns out he's in concussion protocol because, you know, he has a headache or he's nauseous or, you know, he's not able to properly function. I don't know why you fix this in the NFL, but the thing that stands out to me, and here's where you and I agree. He's damaging his brain yeah, permanently every time he gets a concussion. And I think about it every play. I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, you know, DBs don't get as many concussions as D linemen don't get as many running backs. I'm thinking about this yesterday watching the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's hard not to. I don't, it, it, do you ever think about that yeah, during games? Yeah, all the time. And that's part of why, that's part of my struggle with, with football. It's part of my struggle. Some of my greatest moments um, around family as a kid are like around football. Like it's usually Lions Bears on Thanksgiving morning. Like, you know yeah. that, like that's just what it is. And, and you know, so now it's like as an adult, I'm like, dude, like I'm watching this game saying, man, like buddy just melted his brain. Like dude just took this huge mm. hit and it's not cool. I don't enjoy it. And I don't even blame the guy laying the wood because that's his damn job. That's what yeah. he's supposed to do. Yep. Football 50, 10 of the hour every hour is brought to you by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Papa Murphy's presents how to change the way you pizza. Step one, carefully knead dough. Step two, artfully spread sauce. Step three, add fresh mozzarella and assemble toppings. Step four, 
realize we already did all that for you. So all you have to do is bake it. Right now, get the chicken garlic pizza with chicken, Roma tomatoes, and creamy garlic sauce for just $9.99. Papa Murphy's. Change the way you pizza. Use the promo code MATI25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. 7 o'clock on the dot, the Monty Show presented by The Advocates, utahadvocates.com. The best injury attorneys in the business, The Advocates. Hey, it's again this morning snowing and raining out here in, in the greater state of Utah. If you are on the roads this morning, please be careful. If you get into an accident, don't trust your insurance company because they're not working for you. They're working to keep as much money as they can away from you. That's why you need somebody to fight for you so you can think about things like, hey, how am I going to get to work? How am I going to recover? How am I going to pay my medical bills? Did you know that the advocates can help you defer all of your medical bills? In fact, you don't go into your pocket for anything when you work with the advocates because they don't charge you retainers. They don't charge you consultation fees. It is free to chat with a lawyer online 24 hours a day, seven days a week at theadvocates.com. Make sure you tell me you heard about it on the Monty Show. All right, the biggest stories in sports. Um, this morning, I don't think there's any doubt. This Tamar Hamlin situation. Uh, we'll keep you updated as the latest details come out on that about Tamar's situation. Uh, the latest details, again, are that Tamar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest on the field last night. Um, they took 16 long, painful minutes to stabilize him to the point where they could load him into an ambulance and take him to a hospital. Um, this morning, we are told that DeMar is in critical but stable condition. He was intubated last night, which means they put a, a tube down his throat so that he could breathe. Um, they sedated him so that they could do that. So he is resting. We do not know his prognosis. We do not know long-term recovery. None of that. We simply know that his heart stopped after a tackle last night. Um, they did everything that they could do. The NFL took an hour to postpone this game last night. They have not said if, it, if, when, where it will continue. We just know that the Bills and uh, Bengals last night, that game was suspended indefinitely after this DeMar Hamlin situation. There is a lot of criticism of the NFL this morning for how long it took to delay this game. They also gave the players a five-minute warning. So what happened and why people are so upset is that last night on the field, um, they, the ambulance drives off the field, everybody goes to their sidelines, and they issued a five-minute warning to restart the game, <coughs> which really bothered a bunch of people. Yeah. It, it was very upsetting. Um, and then approximately an hour after the incident, uh, the NFL formally suspended the game indefinitely, and it appears this morning that Sean McDermott, the coach of the Bills, and Zach Taylor, the coach of the Bengals, are in fact the ones that made the decision to suspend this game, um, which is really frustrating and disappointing as a fan of the National Football League. It's incredibly disappointing that that was not the immediate decision, knowing because the NFL absolutely knew what was going on moment to moment, minute to minute, yeah. in fact, with DeMar Hamlin on the field. They knew his situation. They knew how dire it was. They knew it was life and death. And they still took an hour to formally suspend the game. Like, it, it just unbelievable. It's unacceptable. Yeah, and watching the Bills players and, and Bengals players on the sidelines sobbing 
Like, like just sobbing in tears. Yeah. It was it was unbelievable that there was even a consideration uh to restart that game. So if any other um if any other details come out on DeMar Hamlin's situation, uh, we will obviously update you on that during the show. Also of note tonight, the Sacramento Kings are in town. We will get to Utah Jazz basketball coming up at eight o'clock this morning. Uh, the Jazz and the Kings, two and a half point favorite the, the Jazz are. And, and one of the questions this morning after Donovan Mitchell dropped a 71-piece nugget. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points last night. Yeah. Against my R and we, the Chicago Bulls. We'll talk about Donnie. We'll talk about the Jazz as well. But right now we need to focus on the Utah Utes. They lose the Rose Bowl Yesterday to Penn State in ugly fashion, 35-21. If you did not see it, Cam Rising chose to take on, I believe, the entire Penn State team on a run. Right. Um, and re-injured his knee. And it appears that he is headed for a long recovery based on what Kyle Whittingham said. Uh, that it is a significant injury that will require a procedure, that will require a long recovery process, it is not known what that means to Cam Rising's future as a Utah U quarterback or if, in fact, he goes to the NFL. That is to be determined, according to Kyle Whittingham. I think if he doesn't get hurt in that game, it's unquestionable that, A, the Utes are in a much better position to come back and win that game, but, B, that Cam Rising goes to the NFL. Mm -hmm. I think now it's almost by default he returns to the Utes. We'll see about that. But the question that this game leaves you with is that, I believe Kyle Whittingham has to make significant changes, significant changes to the offensive structure of this program. And I will continue to say, I love is not too strong. I love Kyle Whittingham as a football coach. He's right. a spectacular human being. But at what point does Kyle Whittingham commit to being a better offensive football team? Because it's not good enough anymore that every quarterback who comes in here is, is far less of a, a C.J. Stroud type player and far more of Travis Wilson all over again. At what point do we get away from game managers who can throw the football and do we get to prolific pro-style Caleb Williams dual threat type quarterbacks who throw the football on the outside of the field to prolific, over-the-top, game-breaking wide receivers. At what point do we get three wide receivers instead of two tight ends who wind up injured because they're the only option to throw the football to in Utah's offense? Yeah. At what point do we stop putting the entire success and failure of the offense on Cam Rising and get him prolific wide receivers who can actually take the top off a of defense and, and break a game open? At what point do we get back to balanced offense where we have three deep running backs that are game-changing running backs? With all due respect... To, to what Jaquindon Jackson and to, to what Makai Bernard have done for this football team, at what point do we have two and three NFL caliber running backs at Utah and four, five, six, seven NFL caliber wide receivers at Utah football and two quarterbacks that are NFL caliber prospects at Utah football? 
because I'm over watching this football team struggle to score points with, with the best teams in the country. And again, I understand it. I understand you scored a ton of points against USC. You scored a ton of points against Ohio State last year. But this year, I think we saw that the world came back, that Utah struggled in a lot of games to, to score enough to blow teams out, to be an elite team. I think you need significant change in the offensive philosophy at Utah. And the problem now is, is that Kyle Whittingham has a reputation of being a defense-first coach that doesn't embrace a pro-style, throw-it-all-over-the-field offense. And if you're a quarterback in this country, and if you are Caleb Williams, and you're in the transfer portal, you're not coming to Utah. Okay, maybe he was always going to USC. But think about all the other quarterbacks. Think about all the other wide receivers. Think about all the other running backs. None of them are coming to Utah. Because Utah doesn't play offense, they play defense. Right. And I'm burned out on that. Because this, this fan base, this institution, this team deserves better from the offense. And I know that the defense last night, I, I, look, I get it. You gave up big plays. I totally understand that. If defense was this club's biggest issue, this team would win multiple national championships. Right. But it's not. It's not. It's offense. Again, it's offense. Again, you have a situation where you don't have a wide receiver who can take the top off a of defense and get you back in the game with one throw of the football. You don't have it. You don't have a quarterback, with all due respect to Bryson, you don't have a quarterback who can come in and throw the ball down the field because I don't know if the kid's capable. I'm sure he is, but he doesn't have wide receivers. He doesn't clearly have, in my opinion, an NFL caliber wide receiver who can get down the field and break a play. You, there's not a wide receiver on this team that you can throw a five-yard slant to who can take it to the house. I just don't believe it. And I'm tired of hearing about the greatness of Devon Bailey. With all due respect, he's not a number one receiver. He's not. I think a guy like Money Parks has the ability to be a number one receiver. But right now today, right now yesterday in the Rose Bowl, he's not. Yeah. And we can sit here and we could talk about, oh, little brother down south, TDS, good luck. Right. We can sit here and we could talk about their, you know, all of their shortcomings at BYU. But do you want to explain to me, Ute fan, how in the world is BYU five, six, seven deep at wide receiver? And you ain't got one. Somebody explain that to me. How is that possible that BYU has running back depth, has offensive line depth? has wide receiver depth, and you don't. I don't understand it. How is it that you're going to tell me you're a national championship-level program, but you don't have depth on offense? Oh, we're a defense-first program. Not last night you weren't, because you didn't play defense and you didn't play offense. I'm telling you, I love Kyle Whittingham. I respect the guy, but changes have to happen. Changes have to happen. Deep it real. And again... I understand that the, the transfer portal and, and JUCO pipelines are great at Utah. But at some point, we need the Utah Ute football program to recruit and develop studs on the outside. We need it. to recruit and develop studs on offense that are game-changing difference makers. Because I'll say this also, I don't know what Cam Rising was thinking. 
But that was stupid football. Yeah. What we saw from Cam Rising last night, you don't take on three defenders from Penn State and think you're going to walk away from that uninjured. It was a really dumb football decision. And if he's not going to slide, he can't be our quarterback. Period. End of story. If he will not get down, I don't want Cam Rising to be my quarterback. I want to go find somebody else. Because it, it, you just can't outrun the injury bug. Look at Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina. Probably the perfect example of this. That kid was going somewhere else until he got injured in the bowl game. You know. That's just the reality of being a quarterback. So you're going to get hit throwing the football. You're going to get hurt throwing the football. So I don't need you taking on three linebackers and a safety in a, in a corner at freaking Penn State. I, I just don't. And that's how I look at it. I, I am so frustrated that we sit here day after day and year after year talking Utah football and what's the same story? Well, you know, Dres Anderson and Travis and, you know, man, we went to U we went Utah went to Michigan and we beat them in the big house. Great. That what did that get you? What did that get you? You've beat USC twice now. What did that get you? That didn't get you dick. What it got you was two losses in the Rose Bowl because your quarterback didn't slide. What it got you was two losses in the Rose Bowl because you don't have speed at skill positions on <coughs> offense. And I don't want to hear about the crappy offensive line because the offensive line wasn't the problem last night. No. Okay, I feel better. I feel good. kind of like I exercised some demons. Good, good, good. You know. Excellent, excellent. It's so frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it, I think it's... So I say, like, you know, you know what you're going to get out of a Kyle Whittingham led program. You know what you're going to get defense and offense is going to be an afterthought. And it just is. And you're not going to get into the college football playoff. You're going to struggle to win the big game and you'll, you'll mess around and you'll find your way into the Pac-12 championship game, which is what you did this year. So, so I say like, I love the Utes. I love what they're doing. I think that they should have already been a college football playoff team. And and I think if you had more of an offense, you'd been there already. But you don't. So you haven't been. And that's your reality. And the, 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 let's truth tell about Cam Rising. Yeah. Is this guy good enough to take this team to the promised land? Man, I don't know that I can say yes to that. I don't know. Because looking at the numbers last night, if we're really being honest, and, and again, what do, we, what do we say we are in this show? The truth in Salt Lake Sports Talk. Yes, yes, yes. When you come here, you know you're going to get the unvarnished truth. If you want to know the unvarnished truth about Cam Rising, he was not good before the injury. So get your facts straight. Let's stop, let's stop spinning this that Cam Rising is some all-world quarterback. Because the season's over now. And... Without question, this is a successful football season. There's no doubt about that. You should have had more. You should have been where USC was. You should have been on the precipice of playing for a spot in the college football playoff. But Cam didn't make plays against Florida. And yeah, I can go back to Florida. Yeah. And I can say, hey, Cam didn't make plays against Florida. Uh-huh. Right in the Florida game, Cam is 22 of 32 for 216 yards. Two, I said 216 yards on 32 attempts. Butthole. That's not, I, I, it's not good enough. You know, just saying that's not good enough. And if you look at this kid's game log this year, 
He had a couple of really good games. Both of them were against USC. And I don't think any of us will ever forget 30 of 44 for what was it? 415 yards and two scores. Yeah. Nobody will ever forget that. But I'm also now not willing to forget the the terrible interception against Florida. I'm also now not willing to accept the 20 to 17 loss at Oregon where you were 21 of 38 for 170 yards. Three interceptions, no touchdowns. I'm not willing to overlook that. Because that, the problem with these games I'm telling you about, the biggest games of the year, with the exception of USC, who has a horrific defense, with the exception of USC, what big game did he show up and carry this fucking team to a win? Excuse my French. Oh, the UCLA game. Oh, wait. You didn't 23 of 32, 287 and an interception. And a bad fumble. A bad fumble trying to play hero ball running the football. And and it just it started with Florida and it never ended. Yeah. And I, I that's why I say like this question about Cam coming back. Man, that's a big question. Well, if you're Kyle Whittingham, you need Cam Rising to come back. Like Cam Rising's your guy if you're Kyle Whittingham. Uh, well, is he though? Yeah. What are we sitting here talking about? We're sitting here talking about that. I'm hear me clearly. I'm not saying that that Cam Rising is some all-world quarterback. What I'm saying is that Kyle Whittingham is a defensive first guy who is willing to accept Cam Rising as his quarterback, and that's fine. I'm not saying that Cam is some garbage quarterback either. He's just not Caleb Williams. He's not the best in the country level quarterback. He's just not. And and again, I always find myself being here like. It shouldn't be some crime to say, hey, this guy is not Heisman caliber guy. You're not that guy, pal. You're just not. And that's okay. Because you can still operate. You can still go for four bills against USC. You can still go and do things. But when I see bad fumble in the UCLA game, which was incredibly frustrating when it happened at that point in the game, when I see the, the, the game that you know, everyone said ended your season in week one at the Swamp. That performance wasn't even close to good enough. And and so to me, we need to stop talking about Cam and start talking about Wit. Wit is, as we said on the show, an absolute legend in this state. He's done more than any other coach has done. The only thing left on his resume that's unchecked is a national championship. And you want to know why he doesn't have a national championship? Because at some point, defense only takes you so far. At some point, your defense isn't going to be good enough to hold down the best quarterback in the country, and your offense is going to have to go out and put up a 50 spot to win a game. That's the reality of college football. We saw it yesterday with SC and Tulane. 46-45, what happened? Hey, you've got this all-world offense, but your offense can only take you so far if your defense is nothing. It works just the same way at Utah. Hey, you've got this all-world defense, but when Clark Phillips, the best cornerback in the country, isn't playing... Right? And you don't have Brant Keith, you don't have Dalton Kincaid, and Thomas Yasmin can't catch a football to save his life. Turns out your offense isn't so good. That's the problem. You want you want to know why they haven't won a national championship? That's why. You want to know why they struggled to win the pack this year? That's why. So that's what I'm saying. Like, don't be surprised anymore. Don't have I don't want to see, I love you, Greg, but I don't want to see comments and stuff about how you just want to sleep the week off. Those times are over now, right? Now you know what it is. Now I shouldn't get 
Like when we start talking in fall camp again about expectations and what Utah should do and where they should go and what the ceiling is, I don't want to hear college football playoff expectations. I want to hear, hey, Rose Bowl appearance is the expectation. The goal is to win the Rose Bowl or whatever New Year's Six Bowl they get to, as Whit mentioned yesterday, because we all know the Rose Bowl is in a different kind of in a different position now. So that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, I know that that we're branded as some BYU show and we drink the blue Kool-Aid, right? <laughs> There's a reason for that, though, right? I'm not hearing Utah fan coming out today talking about how great the program is because it's not in a great spot. And it's okay to say that. But what we need to shift to is what is going to go down this offseason in the portal with NIL. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at the portal and you look at quarterbacks, I, I mean, Spencer Sanders is clearly the, the, the best that's left now. Um, but, I mean, it, it, the, the, what's really frustrating to me, and now it looks like, by the way, Sam Hartman is going to Notre Dame. How about that? Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest quarterback, was arguably the best one that's, that's, that's available. But I, 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 you have options in the portal. I, my, I'm not saying that Cam Rising can't win you games. He can. He's got to be the best version of himself every single week to win you games. Cam Rising is not going to take you to a Rose Bowl victory with nothing to work with, right? He's not taking Scotty Miller and winning the NFC Championship game. That's not happening, right? So with that in mind, I agree with you. On a baseline, take Cam out of it. On a baseline, this offense is not even close to good enough, talent yeah, and, and by the way, can we stop comparing BYU and Utah in this conversation? Can we f please focus on, on, on Utah? I hate the fact that every time we talk BYU or Utah, it's, well, the Utes suck and the Cougars are great. Oh, well, BYU sucks and we're... Who cares? Yeah. Got, you just lost the Rose Bowl again. And it wasn't close. How many chances do you think you're going to get at a relevant Rose Bowl win? Because I got news for you. Coming up in two years, I don't know that the Rose Bowl is going to be relevant to the Pac-12 because I don't know that the Pac-12 is going to be here. Yeah. At some point, we've got to stop fixating on, well, at least BYU sucks because I got news for you. It doesn't matter if BYU sucks. You just lost the Rose Bowl two years in a row. Me? You just lost the Rose Bowl two years in a row. Your quarterback, who should be going to the NFL so you can move into the next iteration of the Utah Ute football program, now probably is not. And frankly, you're going to get damaged goods back when you should be moving on. Yeah. Like, if we're being totally honest, you have real fundamental issues offensively, and you've had them for <coughs> over a decade. That's what the conversation should be. And the frustrating thing is, Again, I will just tell you, you should have been where USC was. And and I really feel like we need to add Utah to the conversation of not doing, not thinking big enough in this state. Because I don't think that Kyle Whittingham thinks aggressively enough, thinks big picture enough about his program. Meaning that that they should be a college football playoff team every single year for the last three years. Honestly. Like, Cam Rising's good enough to play in those games, absolutely, right? Yeah. But but what what my problem is, is when Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keithy are not available to you, and really, it was when Brant tore the ACL in the end zone. Once that play happened, the night that that game ended, the, the mindset for Witt and that coaching staff should have shifted to, okay, we got to recruit our ass off now. I got to go out and I got to get 
Like, with all due respect to, to Vele and Money Parks and our guys, we got to go out and get some some top-tier talent here. Like, we got to go out and give our guy Cam something to work with. Because I think we would agree, if Cam had an over-the-top wide receiver, someone that the defense had to respect, yeah. like, he can get the ball to those guys. He's good enough to distribute. So that's why I say, it, like, as much as I wish that they had a Caleb Williams or, you know, some some grade-A Heisman caliber quarterback, that's probably never going to happen under Witt. But what's inexcusable is not having top-tier talent at skill positions. Like, Tavion's a great back, right? Uh, Makai uh, is an okay back. Really disappointed in his pass protection yesterday. Really disappointed. Flat out. Missing blocks in the backfield that result in sacks. Like, just not good enough. But he needs development, so I'll write that guy off, right? But when it was Tavion and and you had Brant Keithy and you were developing Vele and Money Parks was coming along, you felt good because, you know, Brant Keithy was this all-world tight end and you could always rely on him. And then the injury happens. And it's like, oh, well, we have Dalton. Dalton stepped right into that yeah. thing and you didn't and you didn't miss a beat. But yesterday, Dalton doesn't play, and neither did Clark Phillips, and obviously Brant's hurt. So that's why I say this conversation, with all due respect to Cam, isn't really about the fact that he probably tore his ACL or whatever ligament damage he has going on. This is about wit. This is about, hey, he's got a legacy to, 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 to fulfill here. He needs to find that route to a national championship. And the problem is that picture is getting real cloudy with realignment and Amazon deals and, and you know, just the college football playoff expansion package. Like, it's getting cloudy now because you've been here twice and you've lost, lost both times. And why is your quarterback running? To anyone who disagrees with me, why the hell is Cam Rising running so much? You ever uh, thought and asked about, ask yourself that? Yeah, because nobody's open. And he's got 25 yards of green pasture in front of him that lead to him getting hurt. That's the yeah. problem, bro. And, and I know on Twitter everybody was saying, well, the play calling sucks. Well, the play calling might suck. You can't have your quarterback running like that. But hold on. Did the play calling suck when you beat USC? That's it, a cop-out, well, bro. It, well, it is a cop-out. But, yeah, there were – there. I, I, look, man, this is not – this is – Cam Rising's performance is on Cam Rising. Yeah. The interceptions, the, the that fumble, the, the, he just has not been the same guy this year. I don't know that you could have expected him to live up to those expectations. I, I just don't. But what I know is there's too much talent in a transfer portal, and you've got to recruit and develop your talent. I, I, I heard a, a – um, and I want to say that it was Pat McAfee who said it. The transfer portal is very much like free agency, meaning that, hey, sprinkle in some free agents, but you better develop your talent. Yes. And I agree with that. You better recruit and develop talent and then supplement that with transfer portal. Yeah. Because if you're like BYU with Keaton Slovis, I'm telling you, you this, is a, this is a huge problem for BYU. Yeah. Keaton Slovis is not that guy, pal. Yeah. And like I, I look at the fact that you've had three years of, of Zachy Poo and, and I think, I don't know. I don't, the point is, you've had. I don't want to go too far with Jaron, but I think you've had the best quarterback in the state for the last two seasons. Yeah. But guess what? What was he? A running quarterback who couldn't stay healthy, mm -hmm. and you had nothing behind him. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the issue. And, and the bigger problem is, not to cut you off, what you had behind him, I actually thought Jacob Conover was a reasonable solution. 
but you didn't think he was, and you still didn't go and recruit. And, so and now, you didn't develop him, and now Cade Fennigan's not going to get a chance to start or win the job. But like, let's run Soljay out there. Let's run Bryson out there, and and let's just live with the results. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. That is uh, like that's what I'm saying. We have to add Utah to the list of programs and teams in this state who aren't thinking big enough, man. Like, yeah. go and get it. It's out there. All right, let's get your thoughts in here because I'm sure there is uh, there there are a lot of people wanting to talk about Utah. I see all of you, uh, so please make sure that uh, you comment. We love that you guys are part of the show. Uh, we love that you guys participate every single day on the Monty Show presented by our good friends at The Advocates, utahadvocates.com. Uh, again, when you get in a wreck and, and you need representation, please do not hesitate to go to theadvocates.com. We got stuck in traffic at a construction zone and I got rear-ended at 80 miles an hour. So I needed help. They just stepped in and pretty much took care of everything. If you're in a motor vehicle accident or situation, call The Advocates. Indeed you should. The Advocates, theadvocates.com. You can chat with a lawyer live online 24-7 at theadvocates.com. All right, Utah loses the Rose Bowl 35-21. The eye patch says Tim Patrick is as close to a number one wide receiver that Utah has ever had. I would agree with that. Tim Patrick was great. And, you know, I, I look through the, the, you know, the recent history. I mean, I, I think Dres Anderson was spectacular. Kenny Scott was spectacular. But how many guys are real NFL talent wide receivers at, at how Utah? How long did you live and die on Britton Covey? How long, bro? Yeah. How long... Did we rely on a 5'10", you know, buck 70 slot receiver to get the job done and also return some punts and kicks? Like, that's Utah football, right? That, like, I loved Britain's game. You're not an NFL wide receiver, bro. I got news for you. And he's made a roster, and he's playing special teams, and he's having a career, and that's fine, and I respect the hell out of that. But when we're talking about, like, number one, five-star, like, stud wide receiver, they haven't really ever had that. And it does, you know, irk me. Like, where would you be? Yeah, totally agree. Greg Hawkins. And Greg melted down on Twitter last night. He said, go by Skinner and I take it easy. Okay. Uh, Greg says, that overthrown deep ball was easier when we had game-breaking tight ends to make a play with, but it looked pretty bad yesterday. It did. And I will, again, say, look at, even in their loss, if you look at the depth of talent that USC has, they lose 46-45 to Tulane. In what was a wild game. And you look, they had, Taj Washington is as good as a wide receiver as exists in this league. Mm -hmm. Five for 109. Brendan Rice. I said Brendan Rice, right? (laughs) He's a junior who had a career game, his game, his high was 5 for 62 against Arizona this year and 3 for 72 against ASU. And then he put up 6 for 174 and averaged 29 per catch yesterday with two scores. We built this program on NIL. Like, you're, you're deep at wide receiver. Mario Williams, your best wide receiver, 6 for 35. Michael Jackson, 4 for 31. Uh, Terrell Bynum, three for 26. Like, I mean, you have five, six guys at USC. You got guys. Not to mention Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner. Not to mention Rayleigh Brown and Austin Jones at running back. 
after Die went down. Not to in exactly right. Not to mention Caleb Williams. And what did Caleb Williams do a heck of a lot less of yesterday? Run the football. Mm-hmm. Right? So you have depth. And by the way, how did USC lose that game? <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> Classic SC, dude. Tulane. And we had a huge debate about Lincoln Riley on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. Is Lincoln Riley ever going to have a defense? Dude, but here's the thing. Jeez. Lincoln is still getting the benefit of the doubt. And you know why he's still getting the benefit of the doubt? This was year one, dude. Buddy hasn't even taken a sip of his cup of coffee yet, right? And they're in a bowl game against Tulane. Now, they lost, and they didn't win the Pac-12, right? They didn't, like, by USC standards with Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Like, I could make a strong case that this has not been a successful season. But I could also make a strong case that it's been a damn successful season in year one to do oh, what they Oh, no did. doubt about you know, it. You know what I mean? So you were like, in position until you got beat again by right. Utah. So now, you were going to the college football playoff. But notice the conversation isn't, hey, we don't have talent on the roster, so that's why we lost. No, you lost because you're not playing defense because your head coach is obsessed with 50-point offenses. <laughs> That's why you're losing games. That's a different conversation than, hey, die went out and we don't have someone to backfill him, right? Like, that's different. And that's why that's I'm saying, right. like, don't take this as me being overly negative on Utah. But with all due respect, it's a different thing, right? To me, it's a bigger problem at but Utah. But you cannot, in my opinion. <sighs> I know. In football, you cannot be like, okay, well, we're going to score 50. Let's hope we don't give up more than 49. That's not what we're about. That doesn't win anymore. And I, I think it's why if you – well, Cl Cliff Kingsbury – is a perfect example a perfect of that. Perfect example. Like he's a guy that has awesome offenses and they usually don't stop people defensively. Final. Be because what happens? Generally, your offense sputters at some point yep. and then your defense isn't good enough. And at USC, your offense is amazing and your defense isn't good enough. You're giving up 50 when you score 49 and you're losing. Hell out of here with that. You can't do that. Can't do it. Kendall Dean, Utah's lack of depth at quarterback. Uh, it's very concerning. When Cam went out, it seemed like the Utes gave up. Well, when Cam went out, I agree with Kyle Whittingham, and I want to play this Kyle Whittingham sound again yeah, uh, because I think this is really significant. Um, as we talk about what changes Kyle Whittingham has to make at Utah to take that next step, which, by the way, what is that next step? Well, it's a spot in the college football playoff. But listen, yeah. to, what, listen to what Kyle Whittingham says here about what happened when Cam Rising got hurt. The injury to Cam is a, is a leg injury. Doesn't look good, I can tell you that. Uh, we'll uh, wait for uh, confirmation uh, from the medical people at a later date, either tonight or tomorrow. Um, looks like it could be uh, something that takes a while to recover from. Um, so that's not, uh, that's not positive right now. You know, he's such a warrior and such a, a fierce competitor. Uh, he'll be back, I can promise you that, you know, from the injury. Hopefully he's back with us. That's to be determined. But uh, he'll, he'll work his way back. And, and uh, it almost seemed to, uh, we lost a little bit of our mojo when that happened. We had a little bit of a deflation uh, on our team. And that's not the right way to respond. We needed to respond better than we did. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that we didn't, uh, you know, that we had uh, the drop-off that we did. Yeah, Utah Utes head coach Kyle Whittingham right there. And, and I agree, the team did not respond, um, which is really unfortunate because I actually think the Pac-12 needed this game. I think if you look at the results of the bowl games and 
Yeah, it's neat that you won the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Um, it's neat that you won the Valero <laughs> Alamo Bowl. But if you look at UCLA losing to Pitt, that was a big loss, right? You look at Penn State throttling Utah, that's a big loss. USC losing to Tulane, that's a big loss. Like the marquee teams in this conference lost their bowl games. And this doesn't feel like a positive, you know, season of bowls. And and the more frustrating thing if you're a Ute fan this morning is that Bryson Barnes outperformed, outperformed Cam Rising last night. 10 of 19, 112 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Cam Rising, 8 of 21, 95 yards, a touchdown and an interception. And you know what, man? It makes you wonder, like, where do you go from here at quarterback? I, I think that is a, a, a very interesting question. I, I where mean, does this Utah football program go at quarterback? I don't think that they're going to go anywhere. I think that they're going to run Cam out there if his knee is fine. Like, honestly. I, I And I'm not even trying to hate or be edgy about it. Like, I think that Kyle Whittingham is married to Cam Rising. And I understand that to a certain extent. But, but again... What I'm struggling with right now is we can sit here and talk about how they need to add skill position talent, how you need to have someone who pushes Tavion, right, at the running back spot, or you need to have someone that can teach, you know, Yasmin how to catch a football when he's wide open. Like, you need to have someone who pushes these guys who start for you. But Witt is not shown to be the guy who wants to go out and recruit prolific skill position talent. He's just not, right? Like, I'm sorry, but he's not. So yeah, I, 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 I don't believe that you can have a tight end be your leading receiver. That's just not possible. If, uh, like you can't say, "Hey, we want to be a college football playoff team," and then also say our tight end is our is our leading receiver. Now you want to say, "Hey, our tight end's our second leading receiver, Michael Mayer." Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely, absolutely, dude. You but can, what? You can but have Michael that. Mayer, what did what did Notre Dame win this year? Not a whole lot. Yeah. Not a whole lot. And, yeah. and I, I look at the setup. When you had both Brant and, and Dalton healthy, when you had Keithy and Kincaid healthy, okay, that's a different deal. Those are guys that are two wide receivers, frankly. But if, if you look at, at, at Thomas Yasmin, that's not a leading receiver. And I think a lot of people thought that he could be. He's not that. Thanks. This is a depth issue. This is a depth issue. Yeah. And I, I, philosophically, you've got to make a change on offense if, if you're Utah. You have to. Uh, Chase Everett says, Lincoln Riley is an offensive coach. Didn't we get a whole spiel about defensive coaches not winning? I wasn't impressed with Riley at Oklahoma. Well, if you're not impressed with Lincoln Riley, I'm not sure what will impress you. Because I think what R Lincoln Riley did at Oklahoma and at um, at USC it is nothing short of astounding. What he did at USC this year was nothing short of spectacular. Yeah. And I agree that their defense is bad and he historically has not been a great defensive coach. I'll take Lincoln Riley on my sideline anytime he wants. Yep. I I'm happy to do it. And if you have a coaching vacancy in this country and Lincoln Riley says, yes, you're hiring him. I want it. You're, you're hiring him. If you're not impressed with Lincoln Riley, what's going to impress you? Yeah. I, I mean, the guy is it, it, like... The thing that I don't understand is how many Nick Sabans are there? How many are there? Because, again, this is why I tell you Dabo Sweeney is a fraud. Dabo Sweeney is not Nick Saban, right? I, how many? In God's name, image, and likeness. How many Kirby Smarts are there? 
Because I think Kirby's right there today with, with Nick Saban. How many uh, guys from TCU are there? I, I, right? I, I mean, like, Sonny Dykes is doesn't awesome. Doesn't Sonny get a ton of credit? Doesn't, don't, don't you have to say, hey, Sonny just led the first Big 12 team to the, pack, to the uh, college football playoff, right? Lincoln like, Riley doesn't impress me. Yeah, it's a is, little... It's crazy. That tells me you didn't watch... You didn't watch, like... You didn't watch Jalen Hurts. You didn't watch Kyler. You didn't watch, you know, those guys in their heyday in college. And you don't understand just how damn good Lincoln Riley's offense has to be to be contending for uh, a conference championship with basically nothing on the defensive side. Do you understand that, that, and I believe he went to three college football playoffs, and I agree, he lost. He went to three college football playoffs, and he won the Big 12 four times. Yeah. So What do you mean Lincoln Riley isn't <coughs> impressive? Like, this is, this is the problem. Yeah. This is the problem. If Lincoln Riley's not impressive to you, I'd love to understand what's impressive to you. I, I, intramurals, brother. I don't know what else you need from Lincoln Riley outside of a championship to be like, damn, that kid, no, he knows what he's doing. He's 39 years old. And, and if it's a thing, and I'm not saying it is, but if it's a thing, you know, Chase, where it's like, oh, well, he's the head coach of SC, so I'm not going to say nice things, then just say that. Just, I wasn't just come out impressed with, that. with, what did he say? I wasn't impressed with Riley at Oklahoma. Are you out of your yeah, mind? I, I, I don't know what. Yeah, sorry, man. Lincoln, and let, let me just explain to you that Lincoln Riley is at Oklahoma was fifty-five and ten. You jamoke. He was fifty. He was thirty-seven and seven in conference. Go play intramurals, brother. Go play intramurals, brother. <laughs> like, are you serious? Oh, I wasn't impressed with that. You fucking donkey. I don't know, Lincoln Riley. What, you couldn't have been 56 and 9? Prick. No. Are you serious? Yeah, man. Are yeah. you serious? That's what I say. It, oh, like, my God. That's what I'm saying. Like, love wit. You got work to do, brother. You got work to do. <laughs> He's never lost more than two games in a conference ever. <laughs> I said he's never lost more than two games in conference, ever. If I said to you, hey, Lincoln Riley, what, what did you say his record was? 55 and 10. Hey, if I'm 55 and 10, and I only have 11 guys on offense, and I'm not playing defense, you're telling me you wouldn't be impressed by that? Because that's essentially what it is. He does not play defense. You understand that oh they're a, 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 a zone-based defense that regularly gets their zone wrong, which is why Tulane was going absolutely B2 bomber on their ass over the top all day yesterday. By the way, who's the offensive coordinator at TCU? Jesus. Anybody know who the offensive coordinator at TCU is? Hey, Garrett Riley, his brother. Bro. Lincoln's brother. Like, are you kidding? And, and then you want to wonder why Duggan was Dugganing all weekend. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> come on. We really did. Oh my God! I okay, that's fine. I love you guys, but let's I not be silly. Do about we Lincoln. know college football at all? No, we're dumb. We're, we're clear. We're we're. Yeah. I am not. I was not impressed with Riley at Oklahoma. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, guy? I anyway. Greg Hawkins says Washington probably would have beat Penn State and could have been the best team in the conference this year. Well, that's an actually interesting question. Yeah. Who's the best team in the in the Pac-12? Right now, if I said to you the best football team this past season in the Pac-12 was... Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. God, Doug. 
Which sucks, because I don't even like Oregon. Yeah, Oregon was the best team. No, I'm not an Oregon guy at all. I think Oregon... uh, Now, obviously, guys opting out of bowl games, how much better is the Ute defense if Clark Phillips is there? You know, I, I probably and not. And we're sitting I here, mean, way we're sitting better. here watching this game unfold, and you're like, "All right, this game's over. It's ten minutes left in the third. We're this game's over." Like you Done. knew that, you knew it was over. Gift wrap the thing and hand it off to next year. Like you knew that. But we're sitting here like, well, you know, hey, if Dalton had played, yeah, if Clark Hubert, if, had if, played. if if Hubert wasn't, you know, pointing his hips. Oh wait, to so Tijuana wait, instead did, of a wide receiver, bro. Did Hubert even play? Because Good they Lord. were so open down the field. I'm not sure he was on the field. Like that's what I mean. Like this is my problem, dude. And I and I and I I know we're all fired up today, and we have good reason to be. But we just sat here and talked about how Kyle Whittingham is a defensive first guy. But then, not five minutes later in the conversation, we have to have a conversation about Buddy regularly getting burned over the top again and again. And by the way, it should be said, he's got a C on his chest, so it's completely unacceptable. I'm amazed by it. Come on, man. Yeah. And that's why I think you fans are so frustrated today and probably don't want to talk about it because it's like you didn't lose. You didn't lose 46-45, right? It wasn't like, oh, we'll camp through for 400 and, you know, (laughs) we've got a couple turnovers and we feel good about how we lost here, right? Because that's a thing in sports, right? Hey, you lost the game, but you feel good about it. That's not what happened here. You got your ass kicked yesterday, and the defense didn't look too good doing it, and that's what's frustrating. That's what's frustrating as a Utah fan. Yeah, I love Sean Mirzinski says, Chase Lincoln isn't the issue. Grinch and his crappy defenses. Thank you. I agree with that. Uh, D-Rock Irish. Good morning, D-Rock. Uh, agree the tight end of Mayer was our leading receiver. Not a good situation. Wide receivers were hungry trying to get a ball thrown to them. Yeah, and again, this is why I said Drew Pine shouldn't be an option. If if you are if you are BYU, Drew Pine should have never even been in the conference. And I there's no bigger Notre Dame fan, maybe D-Rock is, but there's no bigger D- BYU fan. Hello? There's no bigger Notre Dame fan than I, and I'm telling you Drew Pine shouldn't have ended up at BYU. Like, that was a break. Well, then your default was Keaton Slovis, so maybe Drew Pine's a better option. Um, See what happened. Um, uh, um, uh. Drew Pine and college football playoff don't belong in the same county. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, yeah. Eric and Riley says Riley won too much at Oklahoma. Thank you. Seriously. Thank you. Thank Josh you. Josh Lovern says Chase be like Lincoln should have been 65-0 and 0 with three natties. He'd been above average at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, you like how you like how Lovren worked in the phrase "natty" instead of <laughs> national championship. Yes, yes, I do. Daniel Olson has Kyle Whittingham's Utes reached their peak, or is there a college football playoff berth in the future? You know, that's a great question, and I think yeah. I'm not the guy that's ever. I made that mistake in 2013 or 2014, saying maybe Kyle's not the guy. Kyle Whittingham's the guy. The question is, is he willing to change up stylistically? Because and, and one of the things, and I wish somebody would ask him this, like, does he embrace the college fo- football, you know, transfer portal? Does Kyle Whittingham embrace NIL? We built this program on NIL. Because we've heard him talk about it, and not in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. Was that directed at the U, or was that directed at the system? Because... 
Again, and I, I don't mean to, I know I talked about this a lot yesterday. If you're not watching the Prime docu-series about Deion Sanders, um, all those cameras that follow him around is because he makes a docu-series about himself. Program. And it's on, it's on um, Prime Video. Yeah. And Nick Saban ripped Deion Sanders mm -hmm. for signing a kid to a million dollars, Hunter. Nick Saban ripped him for that. In the docuseries, they make this Aflac commercial together. You know, the Deion Sanders, Nick Saban, Aflac commercial. Yeah. Well, they sit down and talk to each other about Nick Saban ripping Deion Sanders. Don't be rude. And, and Nick was like, dude, I don't have a problem with you. I have a problem with the system. And Sanders was like, I love you, coach. I don't have a problem with what you said. You're not wrong. Don't you know who I am? It's fascinating. And the question is, does Kyle Whittingham embrace the portal and NIL because if he does you can turn this around very quickly don't lie to me because he's got a really good bit Lander Barton balled his ass off last night yeah like he's got talent Cole Bishop is legit bro he's got the Fanel brothers coming in like the old line is Jim Harding is still one of the best offensive line coaches nobody even knows exists in this country they've that, got to get more skill position that's what I'm players saying dude cam rising didn't bust up that knee yesterday because the offensive line sucks. The offensive line is really good, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, the issue is he has no one to throw the football to. Yeah, I would agree with like, that. Like, get with the program here. Greg Hawkins says, we lost badly. Penn State came out after halftime and dominated. Felt like 2019 Texas, correct? Wow. Correct. Correct. Penn State played good football. Hey, David, exactly. Give Penn State some credit. They played well. They did. Clifford's a great story. That, I mean, uh, we told you about their running backs on the show yesterday. They balled out. They played well, absolutely. Uh, Bill Collins says the youths look dreadful. Uh, Washington is cream of the Pac-12. Okay. Mm, they, they haven't been consistent enough, though. That's my only thing with Washington. I don't know about that. It's like one year on, one year off, and Oregon has been the team that's won the Rose Bowl and done some things and like been but to the playoffs. Consistency is one of those things you only get when you go to barbecue pit stop. Well, you know, when you know that they're consistently – but barbecue pit stop has five Utah locations from Logan and Leighton Lehigh, St. <laughs> Jeezy, St. George. And of course our good friends up in uh, Murray on state street, right across from the mall, right across from that new via three, one, three pizza that took away all the parking. Thanks. Jerks. Anyway, the point is barbecue pit stops amazing. And when I talk about consistency, you know, every time you walk in the front door at barbecue pit stop, you're going to get great service. You're going to see the best equipment. And I'm a Traeger guy through and through. Yeah. But maybe you're a Yoder guy. Maybe you're a big green egg guy. I forgive you. I mean, you should be a Traeger guy. But you have all the best equipment. That's just a given. You know when you go to barbecue pit stop, you're getting the best equipment. But I'm telling you, what you're paying for is the service and the humanity that you get at barbecue pit stop. They're all really good dudes. You can say to them, hey, you know what, man? I, 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 can't, I haven't been able to make a brisket the way I want it. What am I doing wrong here? They'll take the time to stand with you and be like, all right, well, walk me through your, your brisket process. You know, like, uh, you know, how are you seasoning that? Are you brining it? Like, what are you, and, hey, did you let it, did you let it rest? Did you wrap it? Did you put it in a, like all that stuff. That's what you get. Hey, you know, during the holidays, they put out turkey breast smoking videos. They put out prime rib smoking videos, chops, like, they're putting out all these videos on their YouTube channel. Like they're doing all this stuff at Barbecue Pit Stop. That's why you go to bbqpitstop.com.
You still get the best equipment. And again, I will just say, Mrs. Monty made me my ground chicken yesterday for my meal prep. What did she use? She used the taco seasoning we got at Barbecue Pit Stop. I would have used the asado seasoning, but hey, women going to women on you. You know what I'm saying? Women going to women on you. She used the, the, the taco seasoning. It's fantastic. Fantastic. I'm telling you, knock it down, bbqpitstop.com or go into any of their five Utah locations, Logan, Layton, Lehigh, St. George, and of course our good friends and Murray. Make sure you tell me you heard about it on the Monty Show. Uh, a couple more comments. Uh, Greg Romano says, didn't Cam come to Utah via the portal? Yes, he transferred from Texas. Um, Louis Capazzo, is it all about supporting local and s- small business? It is all about it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. You got, I'm telling you, when you shop, don't shop big box. Go to the local guys. And if yeah. you look at the people on our show, um, you know, coming up here in five minutes, we're going to talk about, uh, or in eight minutes, we're going to talk about the Utah Jazz. Thanks to our friends at Quick Quack Car Wash. Those are all local entrepreneurs, man. You look at Barbecue Pit Stop, every one of those stores is a local entrepreneur. Um, you look at Papa Murphy's Pizza, absolutely. Local entrepreneurs, every one of those stores. So yep. support local. Spend your money in your community because it goes into your community at that point. It doesn't go into the owner of the Atlanta Falcons pockets when you shop at a big box store. So make sure you hook that up. Uh, appreciate Lewis saying that. Uh, let's see. Watch out for Washington next season unless this season was a fluke. The eye patch says. I don't disagree with that. By the way, by the way, Josh Leverin says, uh, the chicken throne for Traeger is undefeated. Yeah. What does that mean? The throne throne for Traeger. What, do, what does that mean? Man? I don't know what that means. I mean, the Traeger's undefeated. With ch- you can make chicken breast. You can make chicken, chicken. wings. You can make chicken tender. Tenders. Uh, you can make chicken nuggies and fries. Right. <laughs> I'm fat. You can do all of that on your Traeger smoker or... You can do football at 50, 10 of the hour. Every hour, we bring you the biggest stories in football presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza, which is amazing on the Traeger. Use the promo code MONTY25. Life-changing moment again last night. I had the I had the meatball marinara last night. Bomb. Bomb. Dude, those are the best meatballs in the end. I'm, t- I'm, in a, I'm Italian. Italian. When you get a meatball and you can taste the parm that's ingested into the meatball itself. Injection. I love it. Absolutely. Get it. The uh, marinara meatball uh, at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase at $25 or more. The very latest on Damar Hamlin, the safety of the Buffalo Bills, who we all saw have a terrifying moment. Damar Hamlin last night suffered cardiac arrest following a hit. Um, he was t- making a tackle and the wide receiver for Cincinnati, they kind of came across the wide receiver, put his shoulder into the chest of Hamlin, which interrupted his heart beat. His heart stopped. You saw him get up, wobble, fall directly backwards. Um, essentially DeMar Hamlin died on the field in Cincinnati last night. It took 16 minutes to get his heart beating and stable to the point where they could uh, transport him to the hospital, which they did. Um, He is in critical condition. They have stabilized his vitals. They have given him uh, a sedative so that they could put a tube into his throat so he could breathe easier and recover. Scary, scary moments. There is no news about his long-term prognosis. There is no news about whatever impact 
this 16-minute period had on his life. Um, and it'll just be a wait-and-see game, man. And it is – you would hope that you would get some update today or tomorrow um, because I, I just don't know how you go on with your life Yeah. if you don't know that. And, you know, frankly, as I said on Twitter last night, I don't care if this game's ever played. If you're the Buffalo Bills, how are you going to play another game? How are you going to mentally process what happened to DeMar Hamlin on the field last night? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's a, a mental health counselor session thing, but you're going to have to get some help with that because the trauma of watching one of your teammates, and in football it's unique how close you are with your teammates, watching his best friend on the Bills uncontrollably sobbing on the sidelines last night. Yeah. That's not something you just forget about when you buckle your chin strap. You're going to have to get some help with them. Football is not secondary. It's fourth or fifth at this point because you've got to get yourself right. I I, I can't imagine the impact. Yeah, I mean, I just think there's only, like, uh, the way I like to verbalize this whole situation is there's nothing else that matters at this point other than his life. Like, that's it. Like, I, I, I don't care about anything else as far as that, that whole thing is concerned besides his health and his life. And I think that you're right. You know, you said earlier in the show, we'll probably get some clarity on this, you know, in the next day or two, I would guess. But but again, I don't think that the NFL, like, what's today, Tuesday? If we get to Thursday and we don't have news or we don't have clarity, like, we don't have, hey, he's going to be okay. He's going to pull through here. I don't know that they should play games. And I know that that's, like, a huge pain in the ass and the NFL yeah. doesn't want to deal with that. But you need to respect this situation. You need to do right by this guy. And, and, and I'll be interested to see how the NFL proceeds. Because my guess is it will just proceed as normal and we'll play games and hopefully thoughts and prayers to DeMar. That's what I guess will happen. Very interesting update, by the way. Now, we told you earlier in the show that Skip Bayless tweeted an incredibly insensitive tweet last night about Hamlin. No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems irrelevant. From Skip Bayless, the host of Undisputed on Fox, who apparently started his show with an apology and is hosting solo today because Shannon Sharp did not want to be on the show today. I Shannon Sharp Shannon did, did not want to host with Skip Bayless today. And so it makes you wonder, and I appreciate Rodney for tweeting that at me. I wonder, it makes you wonder what is next do you, So do you for guys Skip see Bayless. what I'm saying here? I really want to make sure we focus in on this. Do you understand that Skip sitting in that chair today doing his show? Do you understand the message that Fox is sending? They're saying, hey, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay, it's okay Skip. Go ahead, jump on, apologize, give Shannon a day or two to get over it, and we'll be fine. That's dude. what you're saying, dude. Dude, I, this is a big deal at Fox, and I, I, I usually you don't say anything. You're you, you're not controversial, hot take guy. Yeah. 
I think you're right on with this. I don't think this is a hot take. I think you're right on. If Fox allowed Skip Bayless to sit down on that set today and do his show, it was a huge mistake. And it should be Shannon Sharp, not Skip Bayless Correct. hosting solo today. Correct. In my opinion, Skip Bayless has no business being on national TV. Skip Bayless has no business being in a position of influence over the sports culture of this country. And I think this is a horrible misstep. Now, having said that, I will honestly tell you, I don't know their show. I don't watch it. I am not a Skip Bayless fan. I apologize ahead of time. And I think I've said this on the show. Along with Stephen A. Smith, I am the one who's responsible for Skip Bayless being on TV. Sure. Back in the Jim Rome uh, days at Fox Sports, I'm the one that booked Skip Bayless for an interview on TV, and he wound up getting a gig out of it. I apologize. Skip Bayless is reprehensible. Skip Bayless... And I think you know me well enough at this point to know I don't go after guys. He's disgusting to me. He has always been insensitive. He has always been a loudmouth. Yeah. He has always been the guy that says the most insane. If he can find something to be a jerk about, he'll be that guy. And this time he's gone too far. And how Fox Sports allowed him to get on his show today is absolutely terrible. Yeah. It's it, it's reprehensible. It's awful. It's exactly what is wrong. Exactly what is wrong with with our country and when we're you know when we're talking about a, a guy of life and death who cares about the game who cares about the game well apparently skip bayless does and that's the issue football at 50 10 of the hour every hour presented by papa murphy's pizza papa murphy's presents how to change the way you pizza step one grab a delicious papa murphy's pizza step two bake step three chow down on the deliciousness Right now, get the chicken garlic pizza for just $9.99 at papamurphys.com. Man, that pizza A looks really good. Yeah. Chicken garlic, bomb. Chicken. Man, I'm telling you, you got to try the meatballs. You got to try bomb. the meatballs. It's They're worth your time. so good, you guys. The, the, the meatball marinara at Papa Murphy's Pizza <laughs> is. I mean, it, it, I would just order the meatballs by themselves for, yeah. for a meal. Like, yeah. they're that good. I chop them up, put them on my pizza. They're amazing. You eat them with them by themselves. They're amazing. You get pasta and put the meatballs on there. They're amazing. Um, I mean, it's just, it is one of those things where you just can't say enough about how good those meatballs are. Yeah. Are you going to play the drop where we talk about loving these balls? Um, I can work on that for you if you like. Really? Dude, I thought you had, okay, it's fine. Uh, Papa Murphy's Pizza, use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more. Every day on this program, we are brought to you by our good friends at The Advocates, theadvocates.com, Utah's best injury attorneys, also in Arizona, also in Idaho, also in Montana, you name it, they can hook you up, get to theadvocates.com. Uh, one of the things that they do a lot of is, is social security. I know that there's a lot of people that um, you know, have worked their entire lives for disability and social security. You've contributed to that. And now you're being denied that. Let the advocates fight for you. Theadvocates.com. And again, with all the snow and with all the bad road conditions, and we're going to talk about bad Utah drivers coming up in an hour. If you've been hit by somebody that's just a terrible driver, you got to go to the advocates. Please don't rely on your insurance company because trust me when I say they are not being a good neighbor, friends. They are not being your advocate. They're not fighting for you. 
That's why you need somebody to be your advocate, to fight for you because your insurance company is looking to keep as much money in their pocket as they can. Get to The Advocates. Chat with a lawyer live right now online at theadvocates.com. Make sure you tell them about it on The Monty Show. I wanna, I, we'll get to the jazz in a second. I want to get into the Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp thing. What are your thoughts on Shannon Sharp not showing up today? I respect the hell out of the guy. I, I think that Shannon is is making a statement, and I think that too often um, we're, we're too hesitant to make it difficult on our employer when we need to make a statement. Like in the, And I'm talking specifically about the entertainment sports talk show industry or sector. Like it, it makes a statement when a, a, um, a man of color in Shannon doesn't show up to do his show after he's been showing up for however many years it is now, right? He doesn't show up very intentionally because he doesn't want to be seen on the same set as that joke of a person in Skip. That's proper. That is respectable. That is like, hey, dude, as someone who hosts a show every day, I completely get down with that concept, man. Like, if, if, if there was a reason for us not to do the show because we wanted to make a statement... I would consider it like that's a powerful thing to do. So to me, I I respect Shannon for it. I think it I think it was exactly what what the doctor ordered. If I'm being honest, I think it's what you should have done. And and frankly, I agree with what you just said a minute ago. Like they should have had Skip not do the show, right? But what they should have done is had Shannon and then um, you know another man of color on that set talking about this incident just like ESPN the four letter death star but this ESPN. is but this is the issue this is why ESPN is so damn good at what they do that you have a situation where you had Ryan Clark on the air last night with Scott Van Pelt Ryan almost died from football injuries was knows all about this he was on ESPN last night with Scott Van Pelt and it was compelling and amazing you're watching, you're watching Joe Buck and Troy Aikman as this unfolded. They were amazing. They throw back to the studio with Booger McFarlane, Susie Kolber, and Adam Schefter. They were amazing. They handled it perfectly. And you know the thing about, about Buck and Aikman that really struck me last night? They'd have never been in that position if ESPN hadn't done what it did in the offseason going and getting them right yeah this is the brilliance of espn because espn understands they had to make monday night football a bigger deal it had lost its bravado it's 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 mojo as wit said right it had lost that x factor that made it monday night football that made it a big deal in our country because they didn't have talent right the john gruden emails came out right like you had these other guys that just didn't have like with all due respect to booger because i agree hell of a job last night incredible work he wasn't a great fit for monday night football and there are few who are so the idea that espn recognized that went and got the right talent now is paying dividends for them when someone almost dies on a football field and you need a true professional in in joe buck and troy aikman to handle the situation yeah like that's why espn is over here and fox and everybody else is way the hell over here that's the difference yeah, and I, I think that ESPN has been guilty of a lot of things. ESPN has made a lot of mistakes. They're not having a guy tweet something like this 
and piss off the entire country. It wasn't just a couple of guys, right? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, you know, just one or two guys that said, you know, Skip, you're wrong for this. It was everybody. Yeah. It was famous people. It was nobody's on Twitter. People, the visceral angry reaction to this tweet was remarkable. And the fact that Fox Sports allowed Skip Bayless to work today tells you exactly why they're not ESPN. And it tells you exactly why Skip Bayless is no longer at ESPN, even though there were thoughts that he might come back or whatever. This is one of those moments where if Fox terminates Skip Bayless, he never works again. You notice Jim Rome didn't tweet something like that, right? You notice that? You ever take a second, you're like, hmm, what, what did what did another prominent... Because if you take a second and you think about what are the prominent, and this really matters to me personally, what are the prominent male-hosted shows who are white? Because white male-hosted show is different than black male-hosted show. That's the fact of the entertainment yes. industry. ESPN knows this damn well, which is why, again, you have Stephen A on right now as he is every day on first take. That's why they made that change, right? That's why they've gone to, hey, we need to we need to find more balance and ethnicities on our network. We need to do that. So ESPN really understands this. You notice that Skip Bayless is basically a man on an island, the only one that is saying anything like this. That's, that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, for all the people earlier in the show, and I'm sure we're still getting some comments about it, for all you people out there who are like, oh, well, Skip was saying that the game is relevant. No, that's not what he was saying, dude. Not what he was saying. No. Go back and read the tweet. There's a reason people are pissed. Like, I just, I, I just couldn't believe that Skip had the balls to tweet that, then issue an apology on Twitter only to realize that wasn't good enough, so now you got to start your show alone by apologizing, which, again, should not be good enough. The dude should be fired on the spot. And how difficult is it to do what Jim Rome did last night? This is what Jim Rome tweeted last night. Pray for DeMar Hamlin and his family. Absolutely, this game should be canceled. This game does not matter. So so what did Jim do here? And, and he does this really well. I know that Jim is not for everybody. I personally like Jim. I like his style. I have a lot of fun listening to it. And but, full disclosure, I used to work for Jim, so... Yeah, like, you know, it's no secret. We like Jim's show, right? But at the same time, let's take that out of it and just look at the tweet-for-tweet tweet comparison. Notice how clear this is, Right? You can read this, and you're like, okay, cool. So he's saying the game doesn't matter. Thoughts and prayers. This game should be canceled. Pretty straightforward, easy to read. You go over to Skip's tweet, and what do you get? I get a bunch of gray area here. No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, dot, 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 which suddenly seems so irrelevant. Now, I also want you to look at the bottom. 113.2 uh, million views. 74,000 quote tweets, 37,000 likes, 3,829 retweets. Then you go and you look at Jim Rome's tweet, right? And you notice 376,000 views, 3,837 likes. What did Skip Bayless get out of this tweet that Jim Rome did not? A hell of a lot more attention. Yep. And not attention that he wants. Maybe he or does maybe want he it. Does. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. Maybe Fox wants it too. Yeah, because he got 113.2 million views off that tweet. 
I think that's probably not a bad thing in Skip Bayless's mind. And I'm telling you, it's a tragically bad thing. And that's what I'm saying. Fox should be held responsible for this. If you, and and again, I'm guilty of watching football on Fox. I've I've watched Undisputed one time in my life for about five minutes and I was done with it. But we all are forced to watch NFL Sunday on Fox. Like that's what it is. Yep. And this is not Fox's first time having issues. But isn't this the issue uh, uh, with Fox Sports 1? Yeah. And if you look at the big Fox, Fox Network, Simpsons, like totally different deal. Fox Sports has always struggled to get over. Again, I worked with Jim Rome at Fox Sports. I can tell you it was always a struggle. We would get the biggest guests on Jim's show and the numbers would always struggle. <laughs> he went to ESPN and did a show called Rome is Burning. He would do no guests and have bigger numbers than they had at Fox. Yeah. And the, the, the bottom line is Fox feels awkward. It always has feel, felt forced as a, as a brand. And for my money, it's guys like Skip. It's guys like, you know, his unrivaled or whatever it's Undisputed. called. Undisputed, thank you. That's why they suck. Because you're paying Skip Bayless to get you this kind of notoriety. Is this really the notoriety you want? If you do not terminate him for this, this is the notoriety you want. Yes. This is the notoriety you get. That's the bottom line. And it's it's no different than any other sector of life. Like Elon Musk losing $200 billion, the first man ever to lose $200 billion because you make decisions. They have good and they have bad. Fox made a bad decision allowing Skip Bayless on television today. Right, I, it, it, There's no other way to spin that. There's no other way to look at the fact that Shannon Sharp didn't show up to be on their show today, that he co-hosts with Skip Bayless every day. There's only one conclusion to draw. Shannon Sharp doesn't want to work with Skip Bayless anymore. Yeah, He just doesn't. And can you blame him for that? I can't. And I can tell you as somebody that has worked at the national, the local level, like I've done this for over 30 years, it's really hard to do this job every day. And I'm not telling you that I have a bad life. I'm not saying this is not an easy flip a switch and let's talk sports. There's a lot of work that goes into this. When you see a guy like Skip Bayless tweet like that, I'm telling you again, that's a lack of preparation. That's a lack of understanding. That's a lack of empathy. We argue almost every morning in our pre-show meeting that we have about our topics, right? We argue most every day about, well, what is our viewer going to want to talk about today? They're going to want to talk about DeMar Hamlin today. They're going to want to talk Utah football. They're going to want to talk Danny, you know, Donnie scoring 71. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not, it, this job is difficult. When, and then when you throw a guy like Skip Bayless on top of it and making it more difficult, it, it just, it, it's, it's absolutely tragic. Mm-hmm that Skip Bayless is making tens of millions of dollars to be a jackass on Twitter. How about that? Like, do you understand that? He's make, making millions Fox pays him for that. And that's why I ask, like, do, does this even resonate with you? Does Meaning this what? even resonate for you? Like, is this a big deal, what Skip tweeted? I think it I is. Think it's a huge deal. I, I, I think that... I think that we have this conundrum in our country of what people actually watch and consume. So, like, what I mean is how, like, the impact of what somebody says is different for each individual person. So, like, for us on this show, we're in sports. It's our entire life. 
like spent all day Saturday watching college football, right? Like that's the level of preparation it takes to do a show and to be able to be successful at it. You have to be committed. Right, so I'm going to know who Skip Bayless is. I'm going to see that tweet. I'm going to, and not only am I going to see that tweet, I'm going to see that tweet while Ryan Clark's on ESPN talking about this, and it's really emotional and it's really insensitive. So, like, I'm going to see that, and that's going to impact me a lot. But if we step back and we look at, hey, some guy in in Lincoln, Nebraska, who is a blue-collar person just working every day and just wants to come home and have a beer and watch a football game, they're probably not going to give a damn about what Skip Bayless is saying. So for me, it's a big deal. But I don't know that for the 113 million people who saw that tweet, is it a big deal for even half of those people? Mm-hmm. And if it is, that's still a lot of people. That's the problem. I mean, you look at some of the response. Like Terrell Owens, the, yeah. the former Dallas Cowboy NFL wide receiver, yeah. out and openly called for him to be terminated. And yeah. people retweeted that Terrell Owens tweet repeatedly and let me see if I can grab that while you smash the while you smash the like button because let's be honest we've had well over a thousand people watch this show uh it would be great if you guys would smash the like button it helps the channel grow um you know it is it is really interesting when something like this tweet this and this is why I always say being viral isn't fantastic but you look at this tweet from Terrell Owens and I don't agree with T.O. very often. Um, I've been around. I've had the great fortune of being around him quite a bit. He's a yeah. difficult dude to deal with. I actually retweeted this and was like, damn, T.O. speaks for me. <laughs> and I don't know that I could say that T.O. speaks for me very often. But if you look at this tweet, he said, you're despicable. Talking to Skip Bayless. You're despicable. I hope to God you lose your job for this tweet. You really think this game holds more weight than this young man's life? Dude, you're dead wrong for this. Facts. You're dead wrong but, for this. But, and I want to keep pointing this out, right? Notice how clean cut Jim Rome's tweet was. T.O.'s tweet was. And then you look at Skip's, and it's like you're talking kind of in circles, and you're, and you're, you're making an ass of yourself because you're not – It, th- dude – there's nothing more important than dude's life. That's like that's it. There's no yeah. the, let's not there's no beating around the bush. There's no talking about, you know, week 27 on the NFL calendar like it's this kid's life, dude. Yep. So when I see guys that I listen to like Jim tweet this, I'm like, "Good job, Jim. You want you get it, right? You understand." Oh, skip you don't get it, dude. You don't understand, and you should be fired for this. Yeah, and then T.O. goes at it and gets 3.5 million views on it. And yet still today, he shows up for work. So let me get a couple of comments in here because I do want to get to Donovan Mitchell last night talking with Raphael Podcast on PBS. Says uh, it's a big deal. I agree it's a big deal. Uh, BB says Elon Musk, he opened free speech from the – oh, stop, dude left hate get out of here with that it, it, it drives me crazy that we can't have open discussions without all oh, the left haters and elon God. this has nothing to do with elon but in the, the point i made about elon was elon musk made a decision in business to buy twitter and it cost him 200 billion dollars in wealth and this has nothing to do with skip bayless in my opinion and when but when the decisions you make about your brand i think are massive and I think when you look at Skip's brand, as 
Maybe it wasn't damaged. I'm naive. This damaged his brand. There's a There's line, no bro. way this didn't damage his brand. And that's why I say when you look at business and sports, they run very close together. So a guy like Elon, for example, a guy like Jerry Jones, for example, guys, you know, owners, Bob Kraft is the only guy I've seen get into a sex scandal and not hurt his bottom line at all whatsoever, right? The NFL is just different in my opinion, but you look at what Skip Bayless did here and I think it hurts his brand. I really think it hurts his brand. Uh, Keith Carl says, watching Skip right now and the awkwardness in doing is so is real. He's trying to carry on normal a normal show, but it's so awkward and nerve-wracking. I think he knows that it's all deserved too. You know what I also have a problem with? I also have a problem with the fact that a guy like Colin Cowherd, who's also on Fox, yes. didn't tweet about this. At all. Didn't say two words that about it. That is unacceptable. And I'm not going to sit here and say the guy should be fired for not tweeting because he shouldn't be. But, you're but a, you have a responsibility. Yeah, you're a national voice. You have to tweet about this. And again, I will say, again, I will say, this is what Twitter's about. Yeah. Where we come together and everybody shares their opinion, good or bad. Like last night was amazing on Twitter. Colin Cowherd needs to have an opinion on it. He does. He is the leading voice at Fox. By far, Colin Cowherd is the leading voice at Fox. And he didn't say two words about it. That's amazing to me. Uh, Jeremy Bolton, what's up? The mayor of Monty Town. Eric and Raleigh says the sports row will be a better place when Skip Bayless is no longer in it. Agreed. Tanner Plummer says the sad thing is that Skip will probably not get fired because FS1 only cares about ratings and views, and they're not getting them. They're that's not the getting fun, them. That's the fun. That's like the hypocrisy in it. They're not getting views on that show. He gets 113 million, I think it was, like views on that tweet. For all the wrong reasons. That's the problem, dude. Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing to me that when you look at their their um, their numbers, they routinely are less than 200,000 views per show, which is, how is that possible? Like, you look at their, their core demos are like 100,000 people per show. And it, it, like you just can't compete with that. You know, like, you, you, you just cannot... You cannot live on that. And yet they're paying Skip Bayless millions of dollars to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think when you when you look at you look at their the ratings on like first take on ESPN, they're at five hundred and seven thousand people per show. You know why you're that doing is? less than half of that. You know why that is? Because you can have ESPN on the tube right here, right? On mute. And there's three respectable voices, right? Stephen A., Herm, and can't remember dude's name off the top of my head. Marcus Spears. Know his face. Marcus Spears. I know his face. Love his takes. Like, three respectable voices. And that's the thing. I don't think, oh, yeah, Fox Sports 1 when news is breaking. I think ESPN. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. So yep. when Skip comes out and does this type of thing, it furthers the narrative. I don't need Fox. I don't need Fox. You just happen to be the one that lets me watch Aaron Rodgers lose the Lions on Sunday and go home, right? Like, that's what it is. Yep. Justin Salas, good morning to you, friend. He says, uh, getting used to the show being on earlier now that I am in the mountain time zone. Let's um, go. You, you know, time to set the alarm clock, bro. Yes. Uh, by the way, Justin, I think, moved here from Texas. 
So he was central, now he's mountain time. Justin, were you in the transfer portal, bro? Yeah, how'd the transfer portal process work out? Uh, Talking with Raphael Pot. Talking with Raphael. You got to be lower. Talking with Raphael Podcast on BYU Radio. (laughs) Uh, Says maybe it's a strategy for uh, Colin not to talk about it until Fox Sports does something about him. Yeah, that could absolutely be. And that's why I'm saying when you start to look at the bigger picture, you start to kind of look at, hey, they haven't fired Skip, but Colin didn't tweet about it. It starts to kind of, and again, it's speculation, right? Speculation, yep. like we have no proof, speculation. But it does kind of start to paint the picture, hey, Skip, tweet some asinine stuff so we can get some run and people will tune in. And then Colin, don't tweet about it, but you're going to give us the clean cut take on your show that's respectable and that people want to hear. Like, that's what it suggests. I, I don't disagree with that so, at all. I think it's, I don't know. I think it's very interesting. Um, let's see. Kyle A says, uh, Colin Cowherd is Skip's friend and is the one who wanted Skip to jump to Fox. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, Zachary Thornton says, what NFL are you watching, Jake? What do you mean? Yeah, what, what, what specifically what do you mean? The eye patch says, Skip wants notoriety. That's his thing. That's always been his thing. Don't disagree. Don't disagree with that at all. Uh, Kyle says, for me, I don't like to see two men arguing with each other. That show is super annoying. Yeah. I would agree. No one watches FS1 for anything but actual sports, and even that's pushing it. They can't compete with ESPN. I agree with that. Um, Eyepatch says, and here we are talking about him instead of talking about Utah football. Yeah. Well, we already talked about Utah football. We did. Uh, you have really, uh, you can't really say Stephen A is respectable. He has some very controversial things in his past. Well, well, and Lewis, I don't disagree with that, but I think the thing that you've seen, ESPN changed its business model. And ESPN, I thought, after all of the Kaepernick politics, Trump, Black Lives Matter, that whole haze, you don't see them talking politics very often. No. And I think what you see in Stephen A is Stephen A's gotten exposed for some really uninformed opinions. Like, hey, this guy retired seven years ago. Man, did you see this guy make a tackle last night? Like, he does that routinely. Yeah. But that's different than, like, I just want to draw the line here. I don't disagree, but that's different than what Skip's doing. Yes. Right? So, like, if you don't respect Stephen A because he has uneducated takes, totally cool with that. That's fine. I don't, like, that's the essence of sports talk. But we're talking about a dude dying on dying on the field yeah. for 16 minutes last yep. night, and Skip wants to come out and have this take. That's just not that's crossing the line, dude. Yep, I agree. Uh, Neville says it's just crazy what people do just to get views on anything. Now, what's everything coming down to? Yeah, it is because now in the streaming world, and we deal with this on a daily basis. Like the like button on the show today. Um, you know, like we need. We, we need we re, it really helps the show when we get a hundred plus likes per show when it's live right so yeah. because what happens is when you guys hit a like button youtube pushes that out more they recommend our content when somebody searches utah jazz they'll recommend the monty show right so when you guys hit the like button that's huge so we've had uh, you know, well over a thousand views today. We only have eighty-two likes, so we would love it if you guys had hit the like button. Yeah, we don't. We don't want you hitting the like button because we like it to say a hundred. Like, think of every time you hit the like button, you're pinging YouTube and telling them to show the show to more people. That that's truly what it does. And and so for us, and this is why I think the skip thing is just so fascinating when you really look at it from a business sense. Yeah, is that the notoriety you're getting out of the Skip Bayless tweet? 
is not good. It is not good. Not at all. And I can't possibly be the only one who's wondering what Fox is going to do about this. And I, I believe from my experience with Stephen A, he is a heartfelt person. Skip Bayless is just a dick. Like he doesn't care about humans. Stephen A. Smith cares about humanity. I don't like Stephen A. I don't watch him. I can't. The whole screaming thing really turns me off. Screaming A. Smith. But he is, a, he is at his essence, he is a good guy. Yeah. There's, there's, there, that's not Which even matters, arguable. dude. You know, like it's just, yeah, it does matter. Um, BB says, Skip wants the game to be played, so he should be fired. Bet most supporters of the Bills players didn't even know his name. How do you, what are you talking about? What are you talking? This is the thing that makes me crazy. Demar Hamlin has played the third most snaps on the Bills. Yeah, he is one of their most improved players, and yet, BB, you're going to show up today and say um, most of the Bills players don't even know his name. Every Bills player knows his name and cares about him. Uh, like, what are you talking about? And you think fans don't know who that is? Like, how do you how do you watch a football team and not know who your starting safety is? I don't know what your what your grind is with this whole thing, BB, but you're a man on an island. You're the only one who thinks Skip Bayless's tweet was fine last night. You yeah. are truly the only one. Yeah. Jeremy Bolton says, I think I know what Skip was trying to say in his initial tweet. He just said it poorly. The last five words of his tweet is what I think he was trying to get across. Um, let's see. He said, and he apologized and, and clarified, he, he has apologized a hundred times now. The last five words, which suddenly seem so irrelevant. I, if this isn't what he meant to say, what he explained was he was trying to say, hey, this game's really important and now it doesn't seem important at all. Well, then why didn't you say that? Right. Why and, did and you again, go round Jim's and round? Tweet. Show Jim's tweet because this is exactly the point I'm making. Look at how clean cut this tweet is. There's no, hey, this is what I was trying to say, or this is what I meant to say. There's none of that. You come here and it's like, wait, what did you just say? The issue is, is you can't go into how important the game is. He died on the field. Literally. He died, his heart stopped on the field. And you're worried about this late season game of magnitude is crucial to the regular season. Who cares? Who cares? If the Bills not play another game the entire season, who cares? Because I don't. Yeah. But it naturally, they are going to move on. There's going to come a point where we're all going to look at DeMar Hamlin and say, oh man, remember five years ago when DeMar Hamlin had that thing in Cincinnati? Right? Like Ryan... One of the things that came out last night was all of the major incidents that have happened on the field in Cincinnati. <laughs> the Antonio Brown hit where he got knocked out. Ryan Shazier, when he made that hit and basically went through a period of paralysis. Yeah. Right? And those are the kind of things that are like, oh, yeah, does anybody even think about Ryan Shazier anymore? Hopefully, that's what's happening with DeMar Hamlin because he'll recover He'll, he'll have a normal life where he can, you know, thrive as a human being. But do you really care at this point if DeMar Hamlin ever plays another game? Because I got news for you, I don't. I do not. I, I could not care less if he plays another game. Yeah. All I care about is that the guy doesn't die because he played football. I hope the guy doesn't die. 
That's where our focus should be. And this tweet from Skip was not worrying about whether he was living or dying. Exactly. That's my point. Yet you look at Jim Rome, and Romy's out there with exactly the right take. Hey, pray for Hamlin. Pray for his family. This game should be canceled. The game does not matter. Facts. It's not rocket science. And it's not difficult. And much to the mayor's point here, if we have to decipher what you meant. Exactly. There, a guy died on the field. We can't have to decipher your tweet about it. Facts. We can't. You can't. And by the way, the minute you go with, wow, this game's really important. Yeah, we, we, you're dead. You're done. It's over. What are you talking That's about? It, Skippy. You know what I mean? Like, you know. Uh, Steve Moser says, when to reschedule the game is a midweek topic, not an immediate in-the-moment topic. Exactly right. Facts. There's going to come Facts. a point in time where we need to have a conversation about what are you going to do with the Bills and Bengals game? And what impact does the Bills and Bengals game potentially having to be played at X date or X time? There's going to be a time for that. This is not that time. This is not that time. Yeah. You know, I, I, it, it's just not that time. You know, like it, it, it's just, man, it's tough, dude. It's, it's absolutely tough. All right, a couple more, and then we need to get to uh, Donnie dropping 71. Richard McDonald says, like people not knowing him would make his life any less important. That's what I'm saying. Like, who cares? How many fans or his team, you really think his teammates don't know who he is? I want, go to, let's get Shannon Sharp's tweet too. Just, just to prove a point here. You go to Shannon Sharp's Twitter. And what's really interesting to me is dude doesn't show up for work today. And what's also really interesting to me is his last tweet was 12 hours ago, right? Where's 12 hours ago put us? 8.32 last night. Hmm. Right yeah. in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it, wasn't it? Right? And so what's funny is dude doesn't show up to work today, hasn't tweeted, has done nothing on his Twitter profile, has gone totally silent, but he said everything he needs to say, hasn't he? Right? By not showing up for work, by not wanting to do the show with Skip today, he said everything he needs to say. Yeah, there is Shannon Sharp's tweet. Please keep Damar Hamlin and his family in your thoughts and prayers. The NFL doesn't have a manual on how to proceed after an incident like this. Perfect. That's fine. That works perfectly. I would even say, good job, dude. That's a, that's a, that's a, as someone who is a, a former player, like knows but, the NFL, like that's fine. But notice his tweet got 4.9 million views. Skip Bayless in his tweet, let me drop that comment. Look how, look at the difference. 113.2 million views. Mm -hmm. But the guy who did it right gets 4.9 million. Yep. The guy who did it right gets 376,000. That's the problem. Yes. And it, it got so many more views because people were so pissed about it. Yeah. That's the difference. That is the difference. You know, uh, Jaron Eccles says yet another rich white guy thinking he can say whatever he wants without repercussions. What a disgrace. I totally agree with that. Frankly, I agree with that. Brent Terry says, I think it was a Tulane game. Dude was paralyzed and going for a master's degree in molecular biology. Yes, it was. They showed him. He had, he, yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, it, well, it was Tulane. It was Tulane. It yes. was Tulane. Yep. Yeah, he, and he is paralyzed. He's in a chair. He's got a, a C4 from the neck down, and he has, he, he got his degree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shannon seems to be a class act even before this issue, Lewis says. Shannon is a try-hard guy. Shannon Sharp is not Shannon Sharp is not a natural speaker. He's not a, a gifted 
presenter. He's not somebody who went off the football field and immediately went into television. It's not Dan Orlovsky, bro. Yeah, he's it, not it, that, it's he's, not that easy. Shannon's had to work to understand the art of delivering a take. Which, again, I respect the hell out of yeah. him for. Because, again, didn't show up to work today very intentionally. And when you when you get to this point in your career and you wind the clocks back to, to you know, playing in the league and doing what you did. And then, you know, as you just said, like coming into this industry and having to work so hard to get good, like the fact that he's at a point where he has the power now to not show up and to improve that point is just incredibly impressive. Yep. Uh, Utah Jazz Talk in the NBA on the Monty Show is presented by Quick Quack Car Wash. Make sure you tell me you heard about it on the Monty Show. When you go to Quick Quack Car Wash, those guys are local business owners, entrepreneurs, and they do a really good job. And the thing I really like about Quick Quack is that you deal with human beings. And again, I'll just tell my story from the other day. We drove from you know Salt Lake to LA to Tahoe, back to Salt Lake. The car was destroyed. And we show up. I say, hey, man, you know, I really would like to get a, a Muddy Duck, which is a car wash where you get a ton of water and a ton of soap. And the guy's like, yeah, no problem. We're going to make sure we clean off the back for you real good and spray the windows down. Like, he walked around the car, went and communicated with the guy in the tunnel. They sprayed it. The car came out looking perfect. That's the level of service you get. And the best part is I don't have to give him a credit card. I don't have to stick a credit card into a machine. I rolled up. He took my license plate. He said, hey, Monty, good to see you. Like it was just, a, it's a really good experience. And it was like five, seven minutes and they were super busy yeah. because the roads are terrible and your car's dirty. So everybody's going to quick quack. I'm telling you, man, Quick Quack's the best car wash in Utah. Check them out. Uh, make sure you tell me you heard about it. On the Monty Show, let's switch gears, talk a little hoop this morning. Um, the Utah Jazz are minus two and a half tonight. They're favored over the Sacramento Kings at Vivint Arena, seven o'clock tip. Look at that. Uh, look at that over under at 243. Jazz are minus 135 on the money line. Mm-hmm. Should the Jazz be favored in this game? They've lost four of six and six of eight. They're not playing good basketball. And above all of that, <laughs> Donnie went berserk last yeah. night. Donovan Mitchell dropped 71 on the Chicago Bulls. Can you do something for me? My goodness. Jake, what did you ask me over text last night? Hey, man, you think the Jazz lost the Donnie hey trade? Hey, guys. <laughs> Did the Jazz lose the Donovan Mitchell trade? The answer is no. <laughs> Today, would I go back and redo the Donovan Mitchell trade? Yes. They got a haul for him. Did he score 71 last night? Absolutely. Is he a stud? Yes. Is he a vastly improved player this year to last year? Yes. Has he improved every year of his career? Yes. Here's the thing with Donovan Mitchell. And... I know I've said this a thousand times. I'm going to say a thousand times more. You never have to wonder if he's working hard. what I just say? You never have to wonder if Donovan Mitchell's in the, in the lab working on his game over the summer because he always is. That's who Donovan Mitchell is. I said it before the season. He's going to average 30 points. He's going to be an MVP candidate. He's going to be a stud. 71 points. The all-time leading per, you know, points in a game leader for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell. Not LeBron James. Not LeBron James. Not Kyrie Irving. Not Larry Nance. Not any of the greats. It's Donovan Mitchell with 71. Ooh. The guy's an absolute stud because he works hard. The guy's an absolute stud because, by the way, I would also remind you, 
He's turning his teammates into better players as well. Did anybody notice that the defense he played last night? He's a better defender this year than he was last year. Donovan Mitchell's a stud. And I'd still make the trade to send Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs again. Now, that doesn't mean that I agree with them trading Donovan Mitchell. But if you think him scoring 71 points last night means that the Jazz made a mistake and didn't get enough, as Twitter said last night, I would totally disagree with you. We the, did what we did. The Jazz got a phenomenal return. Laurie Marketing and Colin Sexton alone is a phenomenal return for Donovan Mitchell. But you throw in draft picks... And all of a sudden, you understand it's a transformative trade for the Utah Jazz. Jake, I don't think they got fleeced. I don't think it was a mistake because he scored 71 last night. Yeah, I mean, they definitely didn't get fleeced. I, I, I'm i not here for that. I, I am here for, hey, you made a mistake trading a guy who seemingly is on track to be a championship caliber player. It's just as simple as that. Like, yeah, you got a haul for him. Yeah, you got a bunch of draft compensation. Laurie and Colin, you know, have been nice. Akbaji as well. Like, you've got some stuff here, right? Like, you you do. But there's something about Donovan Mitchell just scored 71 points in a Cavs uniform that brings up a little heartburn about that trade. Like, that's the problem. Like, I, yeah, you had to move him. He clearly was unhappy. We had that conversation two, three weeks ago or whatever it was. Like, we know now that he was not happy. So it wasn't like to sit here and have this conversation with the backdrop of they had an option to keep him is a little irresponsible. They needed to move him, and they did a good job moving him. They they sent him somewhere where he could win and do his thing, and they got a good haul. So I don't think they lost the trade. I think that's unfair to say that. But I'm not ever going to couch or advocate or sugarcoat that you traded an all-star away, dude. You traded a guy away who's going to take the Cavs into the playoffs. How far they go, I don't know. That depends on the matchups. Depends on what kind of Donnie I'm going to get. But I can say definitively, this guy is better. He deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Uh, and I'm very impressed with what I'm seeing. So, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't be asking if they won or lost. But that's that was clearly the question in Jazz Nation. So, for me, I don't think you lost anything. I don't think you made some horrifying mistake of a trade. I just think it sucks when you have to sit here and watch this guy hoop his ass off for 71 points. Like, that's tough, dude. He was just here last year. That's the trouble, man. The Utah Jazz got Lori Markkinen, Ochai Agbaji, Colin Sexton, three unprotected first-round picks in 25, 27, and 29. Yeah. And two pick swaps in 26 and 28. Pack your shit. Let's go. For Donovan Mitchell. That's a haul. Yeah. Now, our draft picks being devalued, okay, maybe we could have that conversation. I would redo that trade every single day. Ochaya Baji has real upside. Colin Sexton has real upside. I'm going to say this again. And Laurie Markkinen's an all-star, in my opinion. He's a great two or three guy on a championship roster. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell is arguably an MVP candidate. Donovan Mitchell is arguably one of the best one-two combo guards in the NBA. Cleveland got what they needed. The Jazz got what they needed. I don't even think it's controversial, the trade that they made. But come on. So, you, you have, like, I don't disagree with you on that. My only point here is that for this organization, the Utah Jazz, it's tough when you traded the Ferrari away for what seems like a Honda Civic right now. That's tough, dude. 
Like that is tough to deal with. Can we at least say with. it's an Accord, not a Civic? Okay, a six-cylinder instead of a four. That's okay? what I'm talking about. The, heat, the seats aren't even heated, though. Let's get with it here. Come on, dude. Like that's what I'm saying. It. That's what I'm saying. It's wrong to be like, oh, well, they lost the trade. They didn't lose the trade. It yeah. was a good trade. They should have made it. They needed to make it. Like they did yeah. well with that. Like I'm not going to sit here and criticize Danny for this trade. But but I ha- like I was sitting there like watching this on NBA TV. Like, dude, he is like. The the thing off the free throw, when he made that last bucket there, I was like, this guy's just out of his mind right now. This guy can't miss, and I'm happy that he's having one of these games. But if you're Danny Ainge and you're this front office, you got to have a little bit of like, damn, man, what could have been, right? Like, what could have been if we'd have just moved mm. Rudy and fleeced Minnesota, which they absolutely did, and we had just hit pause, and rebuilt the relationship. What could have been? That's my main point. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at Donnie's performance, and everybody's going to compare, probably, I would guess, Donovan Mitchell and Laurie Markkinen. Probably. Probably. Donovan Mitchell's a better player than Laurie Markkinen. There yeah. is no doubt about that. Donovan Mitchell is a stud. But you needed a reset. In the opinion of Danny Ainge and Ryan Smith, they needed a reset. And I don't have any problem with the trade that they made. I'm they they made a far superior deal with the Cavs than the than the Knicks. Yeah. Like, I mean, they won that trade. And again, Laurie's a guy, and this is probably the 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 bigger conversation here. Is Laurie marking in a guy that can can get 50, 60 points? Yeah. The problem is he'll score 30 and a half and won't see the ball in the second half. That's the problem because yeah. this team is not playing for a greater goal. This team is playing individual basketball right now. This goes back to the Jordan Clarkson discussion, the Colin Sexton discussion, the Lori Markinen doesn't get the ball enough discussion. Yeah. This goes back to Zach Levine versus DeMar DeRozan. Thanks. This is an age-old basketball problem. You have five guys on the floor on most nights who are playing five different types of basketball. Well, it's what Bron said, right? Remember what LeBron said recently. Hey, I'm I'm too old now to play basketball just for the sake of playing basketball. Yes. And that's what this team is doing. They're playing basketball for the sake of playing basketball because that's what they do. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but Danny Ainge in that front office needs to have a problem with that. And so to me, yeah, Don would be the best player on this team. That's not even in question, but it's just such it, it, it it's just not the right question to be like having the conversation from. That that's what I'm saying. I, what I want to know, honestly, if we're being serious here, Who's the next Donovan Mitchell on this team? Because I don't buy that it's Laurie Markkinen. He's good for now. He's not but on the team. Who's that next guy? He's not on the team. Yeah. Their next totally. Their next best player is not on the team yet, and it, it's just one of those things where you have to understand that the reality of the situation is is that Donovan Mitchell's a hell of a player, Thanks. and he plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it, it's why we chose that game next Tuesday to take Austin. Uh, Napierski. Napierski, thank you. I had a brain freeze. Austin <laughs> Napierski plus one to that game because we know how important that game is to Jazz Nation. Yeah. We want to go and see that game. Yeah. And my fear is that you're going to boo Donovan. If that's you, okay, cool. I will be loudly cheering for Donovan Mitchell on Tuesday night. And probably so because I love watching the guy play basketball. And one of the other things that I would say before we get to your comments here is make sure that you appreciate Donovan Mitchell when he was in a jazz uniform because you didn't you absolutely didn't 
And you look at the way Rudy Gobert has impacted the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're backsliding. Come on, man. You look at the way that Donovan Mitchell's impacted the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're a far better team because Don is on that team. He makes Darius Garland a better player. Missing that free throw makes the Cleveland Cavaliers a much better team. Donovan's a stud, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's no reason to say, yeah, we traded one of the best players in the NBA, and I'm okay with that. Because I'm okay with that. You got a haul in return. Donovan Mitchell's success is not the failure of the Utah Jazz. If the Jazz don't win a championship in the next five years, then we could talk about, hey, maybe we should have made the Donovan Mitchell trade. But today, right now, this is not a bad trade. And him dropping 71 on the Bulls means the Bulls suck. Because, by the way, you might want to box out on the free throw line. My, I mean, I know that's groundbreaking Naismith-style stuff. dude. Settle down uh, Listen, here, I understand that John Le Wooden-level thinking to box out on free throws. Don't I get it. Come on. A-holes. You want to talk about a team that should have made the Donovan Mitchell trade? You want to talk about a team that should have made the Rudy Gobert trade? Man, you know. <laughs> anyway, okay, I feel better. <laughs> I feel better. Uh, NBA fan 97 says, whatever the Jazz do from now on doesn't matter anymore. If a generational talent who at one point wanted to be here wasn't willing to stay anymore, then what makes you think future players will? It, uh, I think, uh, but it's a fair question. Nah, it's a fair question, dude. I don't know that Donovan Mitchell didn't want to be here. Yeah, well, he wasn't exactly enthusiastic about being here. I think that's fair to say. I'm not saying the guy said, I'll never play for you again. I don't think he said that. But I think Don clearly had some issues, and he's more than happy to talk about them, which is what he did. And, and yeah, I think he had some hesitation about playing here. More so, and again, this is just speculation. It's my opinion based on what everything that's happened. But I would guess that Don's hesitation about playing here was around Will Hardy and a rebuild, not necessarily getting pulled over by the cops. You know what I mean? Like that's what Like, that's where I think most of his hesitation was. So, I don't know. I think that's a fair question, though. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting um, to look at the text I sent you. I oh. think it's... Okay, not to totally derail the show. Bro, the doorknob is turning right now. What? <laughs> we have a door over here. And it was turning, I swear to God. That doorknob went down and went back up. That was... A... Bro. Anyway... Is there nobody out there? There's nobody out there. There is nobody. That is the craziest thing. I, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You know. I, I'm tripping out right now, dude. Like I, like That doorknob went all the way down and all the way back up. I kid you not. I kid you not. That was crazy. That was crazy. You should, if, you, if and, you're willing to, you should flip this camera around over here to show people the... The concourse, so they understand Th this one over here. That's on me. The one, yeah, the yeah. one, so they can see what you're. This is some craziness yeah. right here. This yeah, is yeah, hey, yeah, how yeah, 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 my yeah, bad. Yeah. There you go, there you go. Okay, so do you see that door right there? That there, the, you can is blocked the by the handle the there. The cam, yeah, that's the doorknob right there. And if you look, this is the concourse at the Maverick Center, right? This is where we do our show every day. Hello, um, this is where we do our show every day. Right, right there, the Grand Lobby at the Maverick Center, right? There's nobody there, right? And you, there never is. The, well, security's here, but you know what I mean. Yeah, there's nobody. There's yeah. If you look at it, there ain't nobody outside of our studio. And I swear to you, 
that doorknob flipped all the way over. Bro. That doorknob uh, and 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 look at the deadbolt. The deadbolt is open. The deadbolt is unlocked Bro, on that door. What? Dude, I'm I'm getting this is weird the now. The deadbolt is unlocked on that door. Dude, this is getting weird now. Bro. Bro. This the is deadbolt weird, is bro. oh my god the deadbolt is open on that door and then and it's part of our thing. oh my god i locked the door dude. i did it this morning i locked dude. the door dude bro this is weird I, i'm dude. sorry to get sidetracked everybody but this is weird now <laughs> it's the ghost of donovan mitchell coming for i us. don't dude that is the crazy and that is the craziest thing i've seen on this show bro i it is a, a, that door is I always the locked door? Should I get up and open the door? Yeah. Do it. Do it. Can hey. you zoom out this camera a little bit over here so they get a better view? Yeah. Can you yeah. zoom it out a little bit? Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm going to open this door. Let's see. It's crazy. <laughs> this is the craziest thing I've been. <laughs> Don't die. Don't die. It's unlocked. I'm telling you. That door is totally unlocked. Lock it. it is now locked. That is the craziest thing. It's we locked. we like yeah, we lock that as a as a way of doing business on this show daily. We lock that door. We walk in here cuz you can't see in the morning when we walk in here it is pitch black. You cannot see anything. Nothing. So that door is always locked. That was trippy. Wow, that's crazy. What are Tanner, people saying? Tanner Plummer says the ghost of Don. Uh, doesn't he have to die in order for that to happen? Yeah, his he his jazz his jazz time is dead. Giggity says, please be Mrs. Monty pranking them. Yeah, dude. I, don't, I don't know, dude. Yeah, it know. doesn't have remote access, by the way, that way. David Hume says paranormal activity at the Monty show. So you're telling me why well, I was on hot take on Don that that doorknob turned. Yeah, I was freaking out a little bit. I was freaking, I was trying to get your attention. That's why I texted you. The, do, the paddle, it's a paddle doorknob. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it went down and up, back up. Bro. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. That was nutty, dude. That was absolutely nutty. Talking with Raphael. Says, I think Casper has a few comments about Don, LOL, seriously seriously holy cow uh can i says jake sneezes while soaking last night now it's his sins coming. <laughs> 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 my guy boy. oh my god that's crazy eric says i bet security has access to all the door locks not that not, one not, uh, i can not guarantee that one. you it's not that one not that one uh you guys come on we have we have like 1500 views and and we're at 97 likes can we please get Give us 100 likes here. Let's go. Uh, all right. Not to totally derail oh. the show. Uh, locking the door is a fire hazard. It's Jesus looking out for you. Well. Hey, man. I locked. I'm, I'm paranoid about locking the door. Like, I always, like, I'm the guy. In God's name, well, image, right? and likeness. I'm the guy that is like, hey, you should go to Barbecue Pit Stop because they are the single biggest locked door Lockdown, hey guys. smoker people. Hey, guys. Uh, barbecue Pit Stop has five Utah <laughs> locations in Logan, Layton, Lehigh, St. George, and, of course, in Murray right there on State Street across from the mall. And I'm telling you, the guys at Barbecue Pit Stop, they are unbelievable. The service you get. And, again, I'm a huge Traeger guy. And the reason I like Traeger 
And I say it every day and a lot of people ask me about it. The reason I like Traeger so much is the quality of the product. It's not to knock anybody else, but I know when I spend my money on a Traeger smoker, I'm getting solid construction. I am getting a piece of equipment that works every single time. Rain, snow, sleet, heat, you name it. I flip that switch. It starts smoking pellets and I make great pizza on it. Like it's just a given. I love Traeger because the craftsmanship. I love Traeger because they have a cover for all of their grills that's waterproof, weatherproof. My Traeger sits on my patio in a cover and it's always dry. No matter, even with all this snow in Utah, it's always dry. So I get high quality. The best thing about Traeger though, the end product, the pizza, the brisket, the wings, the burgers, the chops, it's all so good. My God, it makes the best pizza. It, the wings, summer wings on the, on the smoker are amazing. You, you put your drumettes because nobody eats flats, right? So you put drums in a bowl. You shake them up with Asado seasoning because no, no man eats flats. And you toss them. You put them. Oh, my God. 20 minutes later. Wow, Dave. Oh, dude. Wow. 450. Asado seasoning. You drop them drums because no man eats flats right onto the grill. Smoke them up. Use the cherry pellets. I love cherry pellets. That are competition pellets, but it's up to you. I love it. The Traeger smoker is so easy to use. My friends, hook it up at Barbecue Pit Stop, bbqpitstop.com. Okay, the light on the lock has changed colors now. It was green, now it's yellow. The lock, the bolt, the deadbolt, dude, has a color that tells you the battery. Like the batter, like how the battery is doing. And, and what, I, now it's not flashing at all. Now it's not flashing. I'm telling you something Dude, is, something's going on here, bro. Something is odd with the lock. It's just, a, it's an odd, it's, it's something, there, you, something, I'm just, I'm, we're going to leave that camera on that door. Yeah. Because I, I am telling you again, anyways, to go to wow. Barbecue Pit Stop, bbqpitstop.com. You can order, shop online. It's super easy. They also have a really cool chat feature on their website, bbqpitstop.com. If you got gift cards or cash for Christmas, bbqpitstop.com, hook it up. Go to any of their five Utah locations, Logan, Leighton, Lehigh, St. George, and Murray. Tell them the Monty Show sent you to Barbecue Pit Stop. Let's get a couple more of your comments. Uh, battery is dying, so it keeps you from being locked in. Nah, man. Nah, nah nope. fam. Mm -mm. Those batteries are new. Now it's blinking again. We changed them right before. Is it blinking again? Yeah. We changed them right before our trip, I'm pretty sure. Hey, you can't see. Oh, you might be able to see it. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you can't see it on the camera. I mean, I'm just telling you, man. This is crazy. Something bro. ain't right. Uh, <laughs> Tanner says, guys, you should get the F out. Bro. Nah, man. Uh, Tanner, you aren't. Wait till the Eagles inevitably lose your playoff game. The Eagles, Tanner said, are on the verge of choking away the one seed. I'm probably more depressed than you, Tom. Well. How depressed are you over the Utes today? I'm pretty bummed about it. It's disappointing. I'm yeah. pretty bummed about it. Yeah, it's pretty disappointing. I am. That stupid light is now blinking. Why did you have to point that out? Yeah. Why did you have to point that out? I'd love to understand. And you know what's funny? I op When I opened the door here a couple minutes ago, there's a chair that sits outside. Because on game nights, a lot of people walk past here. Like, for those of you who've been to the Maverick Center, you know you walk by our studio to get to your seat. Mm -hmm. There's a chair over here with a, with a Maverick Coke on it. And that Coke's been there for probably a week. It hasn't moved. So I don't know. I don't know. I was happy to see it hadn't moved, but that's, you know, that's kind of my benchmark right now. 
Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Uh, talking with Raphael says, if someone screams on this show, the the poop I'm holding will come out. <laughs> <laughs> got a little, got a little turtle, turtle in a little bit there. San Diego State says, classic short story. Something wicked comes this way. The train has arrived at the Maverick Center. Thank well, you. You know. They say, they say snow. What? Kinetic energy and stuff. Kinetic you know. energy. Uh, it's bad. It's pretty bad. I'm feeling better now that you guys have a ghost and I don't. So now I'm feeling grateful. Dude, it's, it's weird. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, it's weird, man. <laughs> Do you How believe in ghosts? Door unlocked? Do you believe in ghosts? I, not in a traditional sense. I definitely believe but, in like energy you, and like. You agree with me the door was locked. Just oh, there's no question the door was locked. I locked it. The door was locked, and I'm telling you I that handle moved. I locked every moved. day at, at 557. Yeah. Three minutes ago, I get up, I lock the door. I'm telling you. I be- you I- know what's funny about it, too? Not to be totally rando with this. That th- that particular deadbolt, you can hear unlatching. You yes. can hear it. Now, here's the deal. It's with, got a motor in it. With the headphones, though, but but you can you don't need the motor to, uh, to open it from no. this side. You no. can manually open it with your hand. Do you think the ghost is in this side of the door? Yeah. He's probably sitting in this chair over here. Stop. He's probably chilling. He probably wants a spot. Stop it. Probably wants to do advertising. Stop it. Stop it. I'm just saying. Good Lord. That's scary as hell. Uh, Richard McDonald says, use that trigger to smoke them demons out of the studio. Them demons. (laughs) Exactly. Are you Uh, out of your goddamn mind? Raphael says, I believe in ghosts and spirits for sure. Yeah, do you guys believe in ghosts? You all need to burn some sage in that office stat. Maybe we should get some ayahuasca. What do you think? We got to get Kyrie to come burn the sage. Yeah. Uh, Tanner says, I kind of believe in ghosts. I wish there was some solid evidence to support it, though. Uh, Jacob DeLambo says, I got a ghost at my work. It throws pizza boxes, hits me in the back once, and I was the only one in the restaurant. Good Lord, bro. Damn. I lived in a haunted house as a kid. Like, I'm a hundo P, and Mrs. Monty does not believe in, in ghosts, the afterlife, nothing. No. She's wholeheartedly out on it. Yeah. Out 100%. Yeah. She just, she does not believe in it. All right, can we talk about driving in Utah? Yeah, jeez. Because there's some things that, that we got to talk about. First of all, are you a good driver? I think I'm pretty good. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the best driver ever. But Am I, I a good, good driver? Yeah, you're a good driver. I think one of the things that makes me such an elite, awesome driver is that I believe in turn signals. <laughs> I do. I always use turn signals. Never. You the, do. The thing that frustrates me about driving in Utah is, and it doesn't matter the weather, people here just are not good drivers. I don't know how you explain it. I really don't. People here are terrible drivers. I am. O- I, you are always behind somebody that's going slow in the fast lane. Guy's going too fast. Guy's going too slow. Guy doesn't use a turn signal. Buddy's writing an email. All right. Like, and, and we saw it yesterday. Brand new Audi. Lady holding her phone up to her head, talking on it. Yeah. And I just want to, I just want to say, hey, is it that you don't know how to connect your phone to the Audi? Is Very that casual. is that what this is? Because I don't understand why you're such a bad driver. I don't understand it. Other yeah. things like let's talk about driving pet peeves. Like, it is snowing and icy out. I'm driving to work at like 4.30 in the morning. Right. I'm leaving a gap between the front of my car and the rear end of the car in front of me so that I can stop in time if we have to stop suddenly. So naturally, Dick in the lifted truck is going to move right on over in front of me (coughs) into that gap. (coughs) And I don't understand that. I, I don't get it. 
Like, it's snowing. It's icy and sleety on the road. So you're going to squeeze in because you didn't get over in time. But no one's going to disrespect me. It dry, you can't leave a gap between you and the car in front of you because some jerk is going to move into that gap. I'm not afraid to die. Absolutely a pet peeve of mine when driving. The other thing that's a pet peeve of mine, why is it that nobody turns their headlights on in the state anymore? Yeah. Did I miss something in the driver's manual where it says don't turn your lights on? How many times am I going to be driving at night and there will be a car in the dark? And I'll be like, damn, that's a car, dude. Yeah. We'll be like driving down a side street and buddy without his lights on is going to be like, damn, that's a car. Yeah. That drives me crazy. Yes. But my number one pet peeve, without a doubt, is people that don't care about other people. So you'll cut somebody off. You'll turn in front of me. There's nobody behind me, but you're going to turn out in front of me anyways. Drives me crazy. Why not look behind me and say, hey, are there other cars? No. Oh. If you drive a fast car and you know how to drive at speed, go ahead. Pull out in front of me. Drive away. That's fine. No issue. You didn't bother my speed. Didn't bother my flow. And I'm a big fan of pulling out. Yeah. I mean, it's a big, it's, it's, it's important. But I don't want you to do it to me. I don't oh want you. Oh, my God. Just like that. Oh. Please do not pull out in front of me. Please. Like, and it, <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't make it better if you cut me off and go into the third lane. That's illegal. Just don't cut me off. That's all it is. Yeah. I'm not asking for you to be, you know, Donnie Good Driver. All oh, fucking Cole Beasley. Yeah, just don't be Cole Beasley. <laughs> don't be Cole Beasley. <laughs> just if you're going to cut me off, don't. If you're going to make a lane change because you forgot to turn here, like it's the middle of a driving snowstorm. Yeah. And this dude wanted to get off at 106th. Right. Right? Yep. Had to get off at 106th. Okay. So he slams across four lanes on Bangator and then stops in the median at the exit. Right. And I just don't understand it. Yeah, I don't get it. Ooh, the Fire Red 9 nope. retro. Can't nope. do it. Nope. Can't do nope. it. Nope. Can't nope. do nope. it. Can't do it. The point is, I hate terrible drivers. Yeah, I think my biggest problem with, with, with drivers is, like, we got to back up a little bit. Like, it, it starts before you even move your vehicle. I had to help a guy dig out of like you know when there's plowing happening and the people who park Wait, on the side of the road. You mean plowing outside, not yeah, plowing not inside. Plowing inside. Okay, a very distinct you. difference. Thank you. Yeah. So when you know how you know how there's plowing outside and you're and you're trying to pull out when you're buried in. Uh, oh wait the wait wait! There's breaking news. Monty Ghost has commented on her. <laughs> All I ask, Monty Ghost, is that you hit subscribe and you give us a like. I'm Even haunting you. Even if we can't see the like. The Monty Ghost says, I'm haunting you because I didn't win the tickets. Apologize, <laughs> you. That's amazing, dude. Absolutely amazing. Oh, I love that. Anyway, so, as so, you were saying. Okay, so this guy, right, my neighbor, who I had never met before, this guy owns a Hyundai Veloster N. Cute little car, yeah. manual, but it's front-wheel drive, not all-wheel drive. So when you're parked on the curb and the plow has buried you into a point where it's tough to open your driver door, and you think that in a front-wheel drive car with summer tires Why? on that you're going to be able to get out of that? And he had summers yeah, on. summers on that were not new. Those were like old summers for sure. You could tell. 
Like, you're not getting out of that, dude. So my pet peeve is, guys, understand your vehicle. Like, rear-row drive is unacceptable here, in my opinion. Front-wheel drive is passable if you know what you're doing, but you better have tires. All-wheel drive is preferred, right? So it is pouring snow on Sunday. Yeah. I'm looking out my window at this guy in a uh, BRZ. A BRZ. Yeah. He's in a, a BRZ, which is a rear-wheel drive, low-to-the-ground sports car. Well, it's a car, not a sports car. And he's just swerving back and forth <laughs> to the point where he backed. He, like, fishtailed his rear end into a snowbank and got stuck. Why are you driving rear-wheel drive cars in a winter climate? Like, we're sitting with a Charger 392 yesterday. Can't drive that car in snow. But I'll give guy credit. When he was driving it, because I don't know, dude. I don't know if that's his only car or what the situation is. When he was driving it, that dude was driving that thing. I'll give him credit. I would agree with that. But my point is, is, guy, if you know you're going to park outside and you know you live in a winter climate, at least get yourself a cheap set of all seasons. Like, come on. The ones like you have, your Continentals, that you say suck. Uh, Tom says insurance premium should be a key for drivers in the state. Utah has the lowest rates compared to California, Arizona, and Nevada. So who are, who are the bad drivers? I don't know, exactly. man. I, you know. Uh, talking with Raphael says headlights not on, rude driver, turn signal. Shake my head. Bad tires. And uh, bad tires has to be there. I am absolutely turn signal guy. Yeah. But you, do you give me credit that I use my horn less nowadays? You use it less. Yeah, you do. I still use it. Yeah. But it just it drives me crazy. Uh, let's see. Monty, are you sure you're a fan of pulling out? I mean, you had Jake, so. <laughs> DeLambo says St. George has the worst drivers in the world. Well, transient town, though. Yeah, not, yeah, not going to argue with that. Almost, yeah. you know. Anyway, um, let's see. The Monty Ghost says, I'm haunting you because I didn't win tickets. Yeah, you read that one already. Okay, but he also said, liked and subscribe, better win in the next giveaway. <laughs> it was for frame of reference is why I read it again. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. Um, St. George has terrible mix of drivers. Lots of olds mixed with aggressive out-of-state drivers. <laughs> it's an awful mix down here. So wait, are you telling me, is it an old person problem? I don't think it's no, an old it's person problem. Because I got to tell you, when we were in Tahoe, I'm telling you, it was people parked on top. Look at Little Cottonwood Canyon uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, tell the story. Little Cottonwood Canyon yesterday, they had to issue a tweet saying, hey, we're ticketing and towing cars that are parked illegally because they were turning people around yesterday. Even in Big Cottonwood Canyon, they were turning people around at Solitude yesterday because they could you, you could not get through the loop at Brighton. Uh-oh. So people were walking up the mountain, double parking their cars, leaving them, and walking up the mountain. Yeah. You're an idiot. Yeah. You should never be allowed to drive again if you do that? that. In Tahoe, it's just all these people that are like double parking so their kids can play in the snow on the side Which of the road. Which annoys me even more. Uh, let me get this right. You're going to bring your whole family up in terrible road conditions, double park dangerously, let the kiddos out to play in the snow. <laughs> <clears throat> the you're dumb in you're your rear wheel drive nissan you're dumb that's it's just that simple you're dumb you know uh tanner says if you don't win the next giveaway what will you do monty ghost don't ask 
Don't ask. Uh, Louis Capazzo, DeLambo, I won't disagree, but the road system is crappy, and that makes it even worse in St. Cheesy. Yeah. Uh, Justin Solace, my biggest pet peeve is drivers not pulling out a bit into the intersection when turning left. Agreed. Agreed. So, but that's actually a law. I don't block intersections because I know somebody, a friend of mine, was sitting in an intersection. He pulled out to turn left, and he got hit by a UPS truck. And guess whose fault it was? Is his fault because yeah. he was pulled into the intersection. You're actually not allowed to pull into the intersection, yeah, sir. Yeah, but there's again, just like with many things in life, there is lines and limits and like the way you should do something. There's nothing wrong with rolling up a little bit. You don't need to be behind the white line. You can roll up a little bit. Okay. And you don't have to block the intersection. You can do it safely. Let's see. Uh, Capazzo says I would I would drive a Charger three nine two in the snow. Just put some weight in the back end. And feather the throttle. Yeah. Feather the throttle. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, H.E. Pennypacker says driver's licenses should be harder to get. Thank Agreed. you. Thank you. Uh, Tanner says my wife uses her horn a lot. And as a result, she gets honked at a lot. Maybe she's hot. That's why people are. Anyway. Uh, and she's <laughs> like, why are all these people honking at me? I'm just minding my own business. Yeah. Right. Right. To which Tom says, Tanner, you're married? Proud of you, bud. <laughs> to which Tanner says, yeah, I'm married, Tom, and thank you for the compliment. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Gumby Too Sexy says, pet peeves. People who don't know how a four-way stop works. Oh, my God. Right yes. away of, is to the right, sir. People don't know how roundabouts work. Dude, uh. roundabouts, I don't know why roundabouts are so difficult for people. I don't get it. Like, it's such an easy concept. And it perpetuates one of my other pet peeves, which is people who don't use merge lanes collect correctly. Like, hey, if you turn right, if you turn right, and I think it's 126 up there by off of Bangor by the in and out uh, yes, it, they have one at 126. You yes. turn right and you just cruise into this merge lane. People will stop and use their turn signal to turn right. And it's like, hey, this isn't a yield. There's no yield sign. Okay, There's no stop no, sign. No, 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 but yields. So people get this confused. So yielding and merging is basically the same thing, right? So there are yes. two different types of yield, right? There is a yield and it depends on the paint on the pavement. That's how you tell the difference. So you can have a yield. But it can be a protected yield, meaning that you can turn right. Like he's talking about, hey, you're getting off Bangor. They don't want to stack up of traffic there. There's a reason the merge, the white line, you make the right-hand turn and the white line goes about a quarter mile down the road or whatever. There's a reason for that because they the want fifth, you to drive down the lane. The 15 at 114th right there by CarMax. Yes, exactly. There's it's a, a protected, protected merge lane right yes. there by the Walmart. Yes. Right? Like, people don't know how to use that. So absolutely, and, and the roundabout you thing. That, you combine the yield thing with people don't know how to use their their the speed in their car. I can't tell you how many people around this town drive nice ass Beamers and Audis and Subies and whatever, and don't drive their car. Like, what is Brutal. the point of driving a, a five hundred horsepower three ninety two if you don't know how to drive the damn thing? Yeah. Like, figure I, it out, dude. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Justin Salas says, you don't pull all the way into the intersection, but you pull up a bit, uh, and then when the light changes yellow, you can go through with four of your other friends, I might add. Oh, that's definitely a skill. I, I, I'm 100% down. Hey, if it is a big-ass intersection, if it's a bang girder level intersection, 
I'm def like if there's three cars in front of me, I, let's keep that train going, bro. You're gonna run the light. Oh going, my bro. god! You know why? You know why? Because there's nobody who, unless you're you, because you love to do this, nobody in their right mind is gonna roll up on a train of cars and honk at them. But you do that all the time. If someone runs the light, you'll roll up on the last guy in the line and just light him <laughs> up, dude. If I'm sitting waiting to make a left turn and there's like all these cars running the red light, I absolutely will creep up and lean on my horn. Yeah. And they'll always be like, mm, <laughs> always. Like, it's my fault you're breaking the law. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I feel better. Tom says, merging on the freeway drives me nuts. Get up to freeway speeds. It's not a stop. That's what I'm saying, dude. Oh, my, 40's the, not cutting it on the 15. And you know the worst part is the, the um, you know that, uh, what, what do you call it? Right off the 15 there where you merge onto the 215, that little it's side an interchange. Yeah, it's an interchange. That yeah. little side section that yes. you drive now, yep. people don't know how to do that. People don't know how to do, they don't know how to do that. It, it, it's, it's the worst thing in the world. Raphael says, uh, new short video idea, all pet peeves of driving. Oh, could absolutely do that. Yeah. YouTube shorts are amazing, by the way. Uh, Napierski, good morning. He says, riding my ass when there's an open passing lane to the left and I'm already going above the speed limit. Oh, that's yes. a big time pet peeve. But the problem is I, I drive like so 80. Like, so so like if someone's going to do that to me, what I'll do, I won't hit the brakes. I'll just let off the gas. So I'll slowly start to come down in speed. Buddy will turn his blinker on. Not one blink later, he's aggressively pulling into the fast lane only to have me speed up just to prove a point. Yep. Like, I hate when people do that. Or when I'm going to pass you and you speed up. That's, That's the one. one. Another one. Why are you upset that you're doing 65 in the fast lane and we want to pass you? Why does that bother you, bro? Like, get over it. I, I Go play intramurals, brother. Yeah, man. I like, don't understand. What are we doing? You're, you're in the fast lane doing 60. I'm in the fast lane doing 75. I'm going to move around and pass you, except then you're going to speed up to, to try and... Yeah, brother. you're going to speed up to try and cock block me. This is NASCAR and F1. Yeah. We don't do that. Where are you at on, on the carpool lane and the double white? <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no yellow line there, bro. If there's no yellow oh, line there, I'm, 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 you know, you know, I'm, you know it's a, you it's a, now. it's a double white. Why would I not move over the line? It's a double white hey, line. Look at me. I'm free to make a lane change, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's against the law. Uh, Lewis says the only roundabout that really sucks is I-15 at exit four. Starts as a double lane, then halfway through it goes to a single lane for thirty feet. Really? That's interesting. I have not been there. Uh, Tanner says, any new developments on the Montegos? There's not been. No, it's been kind of chill now. You know, all of a sudden I have like a snot faucet <coughs> happening. All right, cool. Great. Let's do it. Oh, We're man. Done. If, this, if this leads to... Uh, Capazzo says, who loves diverging diamond intersections? Okay, don't, Dumb. don't, don't. Why go to the next level Dumb. with it, dude? So, And they're, they're going to... Re now, I'm a Park City guy. I go up to Park City all the time. Yeah. The Kimball Junction I-15 intersection thing. Mm-hmm. Or I guess that'd be I eighty, I eighty Kimball Junction. Yeah, they're gonna make. I think they're gonna do a, a diamond lane there. And we I really did. I I can't stand that side diamond intrepid thing. Yeah. Why? Um. Let's see. The Montego says my pet peeve is Jake stealing my girl. Well, take her back, please. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Thanks. 
Uh, I'm getting caught up on door handle situation. You guys need a permanent camera on that door handle now. Yeah, I think you I might know. be right. So just to clarify, I never saw the door handle move because I was on a hot take, but he definitively <laughs> saw it. <laughs> he definitively. Look, bro, I was on a heater, so I didn't I'm see the. Medieval I, on your you ass. know, I didn't see the thing moving. I was on a heater. I absolutely saw it move. It went down. Yeah, you big fantasy in a move. Uh, it went down. <laughs> it, it just. <laughs> Okay, grow up. <laughs> Lopes man, Gabe, what's up, my guy? Where you been? Uh, Gabe says, my list of driving pet peeves is long. Was that a euphemism? Uh, but at the top is people who try to be nice rather than just following the rules of the road. I'm serious. Yeah. I'm serious. Oh, hey, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. No, you go ahead. I love, no, you know what you I go. love, too? No, I, you I love go. When, when it's at night and you can't see the other people in the other car, so you're, like, flashing your lights at each other. And you're like, blink, blink. And then they're like, blink, blink. I'm going. Yeah. I, and, and I'm this guy, too. Look, if you're at a four-way intersection and you being lackadaisical, I'm gone. Don't I'm going. intramurals, bro. Yeah, I'm gone, bro. <laughs> go play intramurals because I'm gone. I'm not going to sit around and wait for you to go at a four-way stop. Or, or as Prime says, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. I watched that speech again last night. Yeah. Dude, you just need to search Dion. I'm coming. <laughs> Wow, that came, out, that came out wrong on so many <laughs> levels. Search Deion Sanders' direction. speech, I'm coming. <laughs> when he's in that room at Colorado and he's telling those kids. And he'll, he'll say oh something. Oh, my God, just like that. Oh. You know, like he just, it's a great speech. Uh, we, you need that as a drop. You need, it, you need Deion Sanders saying, I'm coming. Yeah. How's your girlfriend? I'm coming. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, Tanner says, my pet peeve is guys breaking up with girls via text. Well. While driving. Uh, Lopespan Gabe says, no, I'm not going to turn left in front of you because there's an open lane to your right, and I can see if a car is flying up at 50 miles an hour. Yeah. Not rocket science. Yeah. Uh, Gumby says, I'm like Monty. I'll honk the... <laughs> The train of cars to make that left turn out of principle. You have to. I like how at the end here, he's got the sunglasses emoji. You have to honk out of principle. Yeah. You know, uh, my Tanner says, my pet peeve is when people who drive cool cars act like they own the road. Well, I do. You, know, <laughs> you don't drive a cool car. Thanks. You, you actually do. What you do is room national parks. Yeah, well. Hey. One of my pet peeves for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, Tom says olds will drive the wrong way on the street. Olds will drive randomly over mediums. Olds will stop in the middle of an intersection, not back up or press forward. Olds are the problem. <laughs> uh, Jake, it's called competition. Okay. Wait, what do you mean? I think when he's talking about like guys speeding up to block your lane change and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, you know, you know. not my fault. I have a turbo and you don't. You know what I mean? You know, Turbski. Uh, Tom says, "Olds, when I look over, see blue hair and pure confusion, fear in their old eyes. Can't have it. We can't win with it. Can't do it. Can't win with it." <laughs> Good Mike Singletary poll right there. Uh, Justin Salas says, "You're coming. I understand this is an exciting show, Monty, but come on." <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm serious. When I, I I've really gotten into a couple of things in life recently. Mm-hmm. The this high five challenge is kind of a game changer. Do you guys know what the high five challenge is? No. And I know this is going to sound crazy. Do you guys have little things that you do in the morning? Oh, mate, it's 920, so we got we got eight minutes. Let's go to 930. Okay. 
So do you guys have little routines in the morning? I am very rhythmic about the things I do in the morning. I've heard that about you. So says your Thanks mom, so. right? You know. Um, but I'm very rhythmic about my morning routines. Right. So I follow a woman named Mel Robbins, who's a motivational If you don't life know her, coach. you should know her. Yeah, Mel Robbins yeah. is great. Yeah. She's given me a couple of tools to use. One is the five-second rule. When I wake up, and boy, did I sleep well last night. Last night was that night where, are you going to die over there? I'm good. Y your contact lens is sitting on the tabletop, by the way. Yes, it is. You're, you're a weirdo. I'm, are I, you putting that I, back or, in your eye? Uh, I'm going to try. I'm going to take <laughs> it up to the bathroom. You're an idiot. Uh, anyway, the point is, so she gave me the five-second rule, which is, hey, and I apply it in, the, in bed. That came out wrong. Uh, <laughs> Come on, guy. <laughs> yeah, I know what time it is. <laughs> I apply it when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> it, it, when I'm awake in bed, I sit up. I, I count to five and then I sit up. Because right. if I lay in bed and look at my phone and read my email, it'll be 4.15 and I'm screwed. Right. I wake up at four every day and I got to walk out the door at 4.30. Right. This morning, I slept straight to my alarm because I'm trying to get back into the 4 a.m. thing. Mm -hmm. Probably a week from now, I'll be waking up again at 3.57. Then it'll be 3.55. Like I, I generally push it back. Right. But you get up in, within five seconds. Then I walk into the bathroom and I've started this thing where I'm giving myself a high five in the mirror. And it's a really powerful thing. And this morning, I kind of had a moment in, in my high five thing uh -huh. where I, I, I just put my hand on the mirror and it's a positive affirmation thing. You put your hand on the mirror and you're like, I'm like, dude, you're going to kill today. It's going to be great. We're going to have a really good day. It's going to be amazing. We're going to do, because we got a bunch of stuff to do today. It's going to be X, Y, Z. Like, yes, yes, yes. This is going to be great. And I just said to myself, give yourself some grace. And it brought me back to a conversation we were having yesterday about how the expectations for men in this country are too high. I think our society makes it so that men have to be strong and can't be emotional and you can't cry and... It's true. We have all of these ridiculous expectations where men are not allowed to show vulnerability. And I think it really damages us as men. And I think we need to be able to have conversations and say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling with myself right now. Hey, I don't feel so good about myself right now. Hey, you know what, man? I feel like I'm not supporting my wife the way that I should. Hey, I don't feel good about the money I'm making. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to have those conversations because, damn it, we're men and we don't do that. Obviously not. And I just think it's such a mistake. As, as men, we have to be overly honest with ourselves. Because I think the, the one thing that we overlook so often as men is the relationship that we have with ourselves. Like, how is your relationship with yourself? How, how important... Is it to you that you have a good relationship with yourself? How important is that? Have you ever thought about that? I don't think until probably two years ago, I don't think I was thinking about the relationship I had with myself. And I got into sales and I was really good at sales. But when I would have a bad day at sales, I would MF myself left and right. Like I'd have a bad call, you know, I'd be like, hey, I'm looking for Pete. And he'd be like, you know, F off. And he'd hang up on me. And I'd be like, dude, your open call is terrible. 
doesn't make you feel responsible. And one day it just, I was listening to James Clear, who's another guy that I read and listen to pretty regularly. Another guy you should know. Yeah, he wrote a book called Atomic Habits, and it's just transformative. And so I was listening to James Clear, and he said, like, you you got to control the voice in your head because it damages the relationship you have with yourself. Yeah. And it was totally game-changing to me. So this morning, I've got my hand on the mirror, and I'm saying to myself, hey, you're going to have a great day. So you and, literally put your hand on the mirror. Yeah. I. It's called giving yourself a high five, and I encourage everybody you should try this tomorrow morning. Or, hey, go in the bathroom right now and do this. Get, like, go go talk to yourself in the mirror. And all I'm telling you to do is put your hand on the mirror and say, hey, good job, man. You got out of bed today. You made it to work today. You're going to have a great day. Hey, this next call that we have, hey, this next meeting that I have, hey, this ninth video meeting that I have today, I'm going to kill this. This is going to be great. You know what, man? Good job. Positive mental attitude. Like, give yourself a high five. Yes, yes, yes. Tell yourself that you're gonna have a good day. Yeah. When you have a good meeting or you close a big deal, high five yourself and even if you're not gonna get up and go to a mirror, take a minute and say to yourself, dude, that was a great meeting. Hey, that was a great sales call. Hey, that was a great show today. Hey, I really felt like, you know what, man, good job getting out of bed, my clothes match. Good job making that good choice. I didn't go out to Burger King for lunch. I meal prepped and brought my food. Good job today. That's what you got to do. Yeah. And I think as men, we won't take the time to do those little things. Mm-hmm. No, and, I agree. Yeah. I, I, and one, well, I think we take for granted the little things too. Like we take for granted, like, like think about it. Like remember that dude in the two lane game they showed in the wheelchair? Like, yeah. How it's easy for us to get dressed, but it wouldn't be so easy if just one small thing changed. And, and that's where I think a lot of this, you know, this, this self appreciation stuff kind of comes in. Like you have to appreciate just waking up like you understand that like and i'm not trying to be dramatic but tonight you could die in your sleep like that could happen it probably won't happen dude it's but it could happen. listen to me stop taking for granted that you're going to make it home tonight yeah perfect example it is snowy it is icy it is bright sunshine and 75 degrees stop taking for granted that you're going to make it home tonight yeah. stop taking for granted that you're going to kiss your wife good night tonight stop taking for granted that you're not going to get hit by a car or dropped out of a heart attack you know it's funny with this damar hamlin story last night it made me think about that do you think damar had any idea that he was going to die on the field and have no, to be no, revived no. i don't think he probably thought about that even a little bit but you know what he did before the game he hugged and he kissed his mother and that's one of the things that made me get so emotional over this Hamlin situation is that he hugs and kisses his family before every game. Yeah. Like, stop taking for granted that you're going home tonight, man, because there's a good chance that you will. 99% of us are going home tonight. But who's not? Because the percentages say we're not all making it home tonight. Who's not making it home tonight? Mm-hmm. Did you kiss your wife goodbye? Did you tell your, your child that you love them? Like, that's a little thing. One of the things that I think is so important as men is that we, we, we speak our feelings. And we say, hey, you know what, babe? I love you. I really appreciate you. Hey, you know, my wife worked out yesterday. My wife's got this broken arm. And she's been working out for several weeks. And she, we worked out together in our home gym yesterday. And... She got off the treadmill and I just, I, I said to her, hey, great job working out. Good job. Like, it'd be easy not to. It was her day off yesterday. She went and had lunch with a friend. Like, 
She could have done a million other things. She could have slept her day away on the couch if she wanted to, but she didn't. And I think you have to say, hey, babe, good job. Yeah. I think you have to say to your, your son or your daughter, hey, I love you. Have a good day. Give him a hug. When you get home, don't just you know go be silent by yourself. Say, hey, hey, babe, good to see you. How are you? How was your day? You know, like right now, what I would encourage you to do right now, text somebody important to you and tell them you love them. Right now, pick up your phone right now and, and open your text messages. Do it with me. I'm serious. Pick sure. up your phone right now and text somebody and just say, hey, thinking about you. Type with me. Hey, thinking about you. Love you. Mm-hmm. Have a great day. And see what that does for somebody. And I'm telling you, it matters. Hey, thinking about you, love you, have a great day. That's all you have to do. Do that right now. Text your wife, text your mom, text your dad, text your son, text your girlfriend. You know, like, I, it matters, dude. Hey, cool. And we just don't do it enough. We yeah. just don't do it enough. Be positive. Give yourself grace today. Don't be so hard on yourself. Do that high five thing in the mirror, man. I'm telling you, it'll make a difference. Keaton Critchlow, I'm going to smack you in the face because you're funny. The five-second rule, Monty is Cummins. You, you, you know. You know. Jaron Eichel. Five-second rule, I'm coming. <laughs> SLCP shooter. Jake, you have to grab that quote as a drop. I apply the five-second rule in bed. The Monty ghost. Poor Mrs. Monty only gets five seconds. Well. You know. Gumby, too sexy. Now that's worthy of a YouTube short. You know. It ain't, it ain't wrong, man. It ain't, it ain't wrong. You know, uh, the Monty Ghost says, hard to give a high five in the mirror when I can't see my reflection. See, but he, he's a see ghost. See, there because he's a ghost, so he can't see himself. He's, he's, a, he's a ghost. You know. Uh, but let's make sure we don't live with anxiety thinking about uh, to die in every corner. Make sure it's balanced. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. My point is, have a little levity. Uh, love you guys in this show. Have a great day. Love you too, buddy. Hope you're well. Hope the baby's good. Kyler Johnson, I appreciate that you guys are using your platform to talk about these things. They're important to talk about even when it's not easy to talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. The Nikki Maduro Show. Good morning, Nikki. Go follow the Nikki Maduro Show. Go subscribe to her YouTube channel. I'm absolutely loving this conversation. Good to see you. Richard, love you too, buddy. Jake, appreciate working with you, dude. Good to see you. Love you. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.